Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN with Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. Good Tuesday eh, morning here hey. from 101 ESPN. It's great to have you with us. How are you kids doing? Doing wonderful. Good. How are you? I'm doing good. I guess I should say it's 7 o'clock. And your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Uh, Brooke is wearing a cup hat this morning. Not the, <laughs> not the, excuse me, I don't want to say the, not the Dallas Cowboys, but it actually just says cowboy hat. No, you can use proper English to describe this. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah. I, 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 the, I don't want to say the cowboys, like the Dallas cowboys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, the hat. Yeah. It's, it's a, it is, is that what it is? Yeah, it's just a hat that says cowboy hat. I like it. Pretty cool. A baseball cap that says cowboy hat. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. You know. I like it. New very, very, seen very one. country. <laughs> very country. I have the black cherry propel this morning. Black okay. cherry is the best propel. Grape <laughs> trails by a slim margin. Berry is good. Strawberry kiwi, no. Lemon, no. Randy, I got to break your heart. I don't know that there's anything black cherry that is good. Everything black oh. cherry is good. No. I am a Matthew. It, it you're very synthetic. Synthetic. It's is the that only. What you're about? It's the it, only propel it, it I drink. Awful. It's awesome. It's the only yeah. propel I drink. Yeah. Are you guys do are, are my partners down on black cherry here? Yeah, I'm not. I'm I'm I'll pass. It's like it's almost like black licorice. Who hurt you? Nah, I'm just saying. <laughs> nah, nah, I'm okay. Black licorice, no. Black, there's a black cherry cola, maybe. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I think I've had I'm that. I'm okay with that, too. Okay. All right. I'll okay, pass. good. Here's what we got coming up on the show. We're going to talk to uh, Panger at 8 o'clock. We're also going to talk to Mike Claiborne later on in the program. And a lot about the Cardinals today, who fell last night to the red-hot Arizona Diamondbacks. 10-7 to 7 was the final. Congratulations to the Diamondbacks. They're off to a, a good start. And I know their huge fan base down in the Valley of the Sun is just uh, they're, they're waiting for another World Series championship from their club. <laughs> <laughs> they're just so they're so excited, huh? Yeah, they are. The Diamondbacks actually got to a lead last night against Jack Flaherty. First inning, Catel uh, Marte singles home uh, Rojas to make it a one nothing game. But the Cardinals came back. Jack Flaherty was brilliant, and he gave the Cardinals a chance to win, courtesy of Wilson Contreras, who seems to be heating up in the sixth inning. Swing, fly ball, center. Thomas on the run, still going, still going. That ball is off the base of the wall. Contreras on his way to second. What an at-bat to tie this game. He was fantastic, and that was in the bottom of the sixth. And that signified a little bit of prosperity for Mr. Flaherty. 
who faced Cattell Marte to lead off the seventh inning. Marte homered, and then Gurriel doubled, and then a walk to Christian Walker, and then Andre Pallante came on, and he walked Corbin Carroll, and then Pavin Smith, named after Corey Pavin, hit a grand slam home run to make it 6-1, to one, and the Cardinals fall by a score of 6-3. to three. Overall, your... Uh, your impressions of the performance of one Jack Flaherty, who did get into the seventh inning. He goes six innings, six plus. He allows four runs, all earned on four hits. He struck out four and walked three. I thought that it was pretty good. I thought it was pretty good for Jack Flaherty. You like to see him continuing to trend in the right direction. He did give up those first two hits, and that's a weird trend in general that I don't even know how you would dive into that. What is up with the Cardinals starting pitchers typically giving up a run in the first inning and then also not winning the series opener? Yeah, it's it's weird, it, right? Well, it seems like that could go back to a sense of urgency and preparation beforehand. Yeah, it, it, that's a very weird trip. But other than that, um, I thought Flaherty was great. I mean, he didn't after the, giving up those first two hits, he didn't give up a hit until the seventh inning. The fastball command was much much better. He even said that they kept taking his curveball. He told media members afterwards for strikes, and so him and Wilson Contreras just dialed it up. Yeah, I, I thought he did really well. He, um, I think he retired 10 straight batters, 10, 10 or 11 straight batters after that first inning. I think the frustrating part for for me and for Cardinal fans is you get the t- you get the double by Contreras to tie the game up, and then the next batter you give up a home run. Can't do it. You give up a home run, and then you give up a double, and then you walk a guy, and 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 you can kind of see it snowballing from there. And I, I thought that was a proper time to take him out. I didn't think that there was any issue with him coming out of the game at that time. You give off a leadoff home run to start the inning after tying the game. You, your team is working and clawing to trying to get you back in, and boom, you're down again. And so I, I loved everything in between the first and the seventh inning. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you take those two innings out, uh, and I think you can say that a lot about Jack's starts this thus far this this season. First game, for his first game of the year, you loved everything about it except for the walks. Second game, kind of the same mindset. Um, and this one, I loved everything between the se- between the first and seventh. He figuring out a way to to continue to make it, I guess, all gel into one clean start. Is is what we're working towards, um, and and until then we're gonna we're gonna struggle. And he did get into the seventh inning and threw only ninety pitches. Here's Flaherty on that seventh. Still pitched well. I mean, I mean, if a guy's gonna beat me backside and bush, he's gonna beat me backside and bush. You got to tip your cap to that. Um, like that's the first hit I gave up in however many innings it was. Uh, I thought I pitched well. Made a you know made a mistake to Gurrielli at a double and pitched Walker close, but we're working there sorry um we're working there knowing that you know make a mistake there he can uh he can leave the yard like that's that's what he does he you know but so maybe pitch him a little bit tough to kind of get to the next couple guys and then that was it as somebody who sits here every day and says i need the cardinals pitchers to pitch to contact i'm completely on board with what he said if Mm -hmm. a guy hits the ball out of the ballpark at bush off of you you tip your cap because that's not an easy park to hit a home run in. And give cred- credit to Marte. He he did, but Flaherty was doing he was doing what got him to 90 pitches in the seventh inning. Yeah, well, and also, we didn't point this out, but earlier in the game, too, Brendan Donovan, I mean, that, that grab at first base that he had, that was incredible. Sensational. 
And that's that's the whole point. I, I like that Flaherty had a lot of situational awareness and that he was able to work his way out of kind of that early situation in that first inning and was able to kind of rebound. And I thought that was like maybe one of the best five innings that you've seen from a starting pitcher, possibly for the Cardinals this season. Yeah, they just need to put it all together. Yeah, he was, he was fine. Uh, I, I think we can... As fans, we can take solace in that game. I think that was better than a lot of what we have seen. So the same two teams tonight. Jamison will go for Arizona. Jordan Montgomery for the Cardinals. And that is a 645 game over at the ballpark. Last night, the NHL playoffs getting underway. Carolina knocking off the Islanders 2-1. to Boston, no surprise, they beat the Florida Panthers 3-1. to The Wild over the Stars 3-2. And in overtime, the Kings rally. And they beat the Oilers by a score of 4-3. to NBA playoffs. The Sixers lead New Jersey now two games to none with a 96-84 victory. And uh, the Kings over the Warriors, 114-106. Sacramento leads two games to nil. Ah. Ah. Yeah. Got to win four in a row now. Ah. Well, they got to win three out of of the next five. They'll be okay. I I think, you know, they get to go go back to Golden State. That environment will, will, will allow them to uh, be re-energized. Hopefully, Draymond is not suspended for his uh, shenanigans last night. He Might be. Was a, was a, I mean, I love Draymond. I love his energy. The guy grabbed your ankle. Yes. You can't WWE Hulk Hogan stomp him, though. I, I, it was it was a bit over-exaggerated. Sabonis did a great job of acting because he didn't really step on him that hard. Uh, but sell it better. Yeah, trip over them, mm-hmm. kick them on the way as you're falling. Like, you got to fall down, <clears throat> fall on them, and, you know, make it seem like, oh, it was his fault, but I'm protecting myself. He, he's got to do a better job. If he's getting to some acting classes, he'll be better off. And he's such a key part of that team. He can't afford to miss playoff games. He can't. That's he the can't, thing. He's yes. got to have his his emotions under control. Cannot afford to be kicked out. Emotions under control is probably the best best phrase to have. He, he Sometimes his emotions... It's good. It's a gift and a curse because that team needs his emotion to to keep them up. But then he does. He goes over the line. (laughs) You like this, Rocky? He's a habitual line stepper. He will uh, he will step over that line often. So that's his uh, that's his deal. Yeah, not great. I've never seen a person who's six nine have such a Napoleonic syndrome. He's uh, he's an angry angry guy. I don't think it's I don't think it's Napoleon syndrome. I think he's just you know. Sagging our rays, and that's just how he feels he should get down. And guys, we're going to touch on this in our next segment, but we'll start with this. The Philadelphia Eagles have made Jalen Hurts the highest paid player in National Football League history, which you you have to, it's all about timing for quarterbacks, isn't it? It's just the the next guy gets paid the most. He doesn't have to be the best guy. He just has to be the next guy. And Jalen Hurts, I think we can all agree, is not the best guy. But he was the next guy, and so he gets a $255 million five-year contract with $179.304 million of that guaranteed. Good for him. Well-deserved. Mm-hmm. Uh, second in MVP voting last season. Took his team to the Super Bowl. Uh, lost a, um, you know, a tough game. Came down to the wire. He did a lot last season to prove his worth. And this is a guy that they didn't even think would be – they didn't think he would be their starting quarterback after last season. They Going into the last season, they felt like this is a tryout type of year for him. His first full year to get get under the reins and not have you know quarterbacks like Carson Wentz on, on the roster. He was a guy that a lot of people were worried about. But you know what they did, Randy, in the offseason? They went out and got another number one receiver in mm-hmm. A.J. Brown. 
generally, I'm not, I'm not the, I don't claim to be the smartest, you know, guy, the, the sharpest tool in the shed, but I do believe if you're a quarterback, you need to have some of those guys outside that can go catch the ball. And that's what Philly did. They got him another one of those guys to go with Devontae Smith. And uh, you saw the best of Jalen Hurts this year. Yeah, try elevating Mike Sims Walker into being a Pro Bowl tape receiver. Yeah, it's not it's not gonna, gonna there's a difference. There's levels. Yeah. I, I think that there, and we'll dive a little bit deeper into this, but there's a lot of ripple effects with this, right? Mm-hmm. Because this means a lot to. Lamar Jackson and what's going on with him. And then also, if I'm Joe Burrow, I'm pretty excited about this because he's eligible for a contract extension too. Mm -hmm. And Justin Herbert as well. So I don't think it's too much of a leap for them to get in that higher range. So it's it's very interesting how this will affect a lot of different quarterbacks in the league. And you go back to that 2020 draft. And it's interesting. Obviously, if the Bengals had to do it all over again, they'd still take Burrow. Mm Mm-hmm. But if you're Washington, you took Chase Young, who's a great player when he's healthy. But should Washington have, if Washington had the choice today between Jalen Hurts and Chase Young, who do they take? I think they're still taking Chase Young because mm-hmm. Chase Young, his rookie year was outstanding. He he tore his ACL uh, and and missed a lot of time last year. He went healthy. He is he is right up there with some of the elite pass rushers. Detroit took Jeff Okuda with the third pick. They just traded him to Atlanta for a fifth yeah. rounder this year. So Jalen Hurts or Jeff Okuda. Probably Jalen Hurts. I would think so. Yeah. Uh, the Giants took Andrew Thomas. Subsequently, they wound up taking Daniel Jones. So if you're the Giants, Andrew Thomas or Jalen Hurts? Jalen Hurts. Miami, Tua or Jalen? That's a good one. I think they probably would have stayed with Knowing Tua. what they know now, though. Knowing what they know now. Well, I mean, he's banged his head off the turf like five yeah, times. Right. He'd take Jalen Hurts. Yeah. And then <laughs> I, the, Clipper, the Clippers. The Chargers probably still take Herbert over yes. Jalen, right? Yeah. And then if you just, it's amazing to go down. Carolina took Derek Brown, a defensive tackle. How great would Jalen Hurts look in Carolina right now? Very well. Very Isaiah good. Simmons went to the Cardinals, and the Cardinals already had. They had a quarterback. Yeah. Uh, C.J. Henderson, a corner, goes to uh, the. Jacksonville and Jacksonville subsequently took another guy. There's, I'm just looking at that draft, and boy, did Philly get lucky to wind up with uh, Jalen Hurts in the second round. They did. Yeah. I, I like Jay. I love his story, the way that he was able to kind of push through so much adversity. I, you just can't help but root no. for a guy like that. The way he handled getting benched in the yes. national championship game for Tua told me everything I need to know about the guy. Yeah. That's Brooke. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. So, how does the Jalen Hurts signing? affect Lamar Jackson? That's the big question. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Yesterday it was announced that the Philadelphia Eagles have signed their Super Bowl quarterback, Jalen Hurts, to a five-year contract, and this is a key, a five-year deal worth $255 million. $179.3 million of that is guaranteed. If you extrapolate over the course of 10 years, which is what Patrick Mahomes got, Patrick Mahomes got $500 million over 10 years. If you add up 255 and 255, that is million million dollars over 10 years. So the contract on AAV for Jalen Hurts is bigger than Patrick Mahomes' total money and the highest paid player in the history of the National Football League. Good for him. 
Yeah. Uh, good for him and good for every quarterback that is coming behind him. Especially if they get to a Super Bowl. Especially if that's the case because you're looking at how these contracts have just continued to explode and talking about guaranteed money. Josh Allen, when he signed, he got $150 million guaranteed. A year later, Kyler Murray and, and Russell Wilson signed. They got $159, $161 million. This offseason, Jalen Hurts gets $179 million. You see where it's going. It's and we going didn't even include the Deshaun Watson contract in there. I'm not even going to worry about that one. <laughs> yeah. We're going we're, we're gonna, to, since they want to pretend like it doesn't exist, even though when I type in numbers, this is the <laughs> it top is of the there. list. I, I see it. I can't, I can't exclude it. It's there. The numbers are going to continue to go up. If Jalen Hurts got $179 million guaranteed, Joe Burrow is probably going to get around 189, 185 to 190, maybe He's 200. He's got to get 200. And then who's falls into place after that? One, the only one of the group that has an MVP, which would be one Lamar Jackson. Yeah. I don't think Justin Herbert gets more than Joe Burrow or Jalen Hurts. I don't think he's to that level. He hasn't had the playoff success, hasn't made it to a Super Bowl or won an MVP. But I think that Lamar will be above all of those guys. And Lamar... The one difference here is that these guys have all signed with their team that drafted them, and Lamar is trying to cultivate a market that, to this point, hasn't borne any fruit. Well, it, it's on its way. Yeah, <laughs> the other guys are going to set it for him, and he's going to come in and, and be right on top of it. It's just really interesting because even though you say you want to ignore the Deshaun Watson contract, it's just head scratching, especially when you see this situation with Jalen Hurts. To me, the money makes sense and. It, he rightfully deserves it. And you look at Deshaun Watson's and you're just like, what is going on here? And how that just that also was a ripple effect with the league. And in a lot of ways, too, it reportedly Lamar Jackson is around is asking for around that. Correct. The uh, same that yeah. Deshaun Watson yep. got. And that seems to be one of the biggest holdups in that as well, too, with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens and what he's looking for in the market. It. it the Deshaun Watson Brown situation does not make any sense to me whatsoever, and it's having a continued effect on the league. So I, I'm wondering, with this situation, for example, if the Ravens had come in today with 185 for Lamar, 185 guaranteed, and say, "Hey, we'll give you 256 million over five years," if you give a guy 185 guaranteed over five, you aren't cutting him because, no. it, it, especially if a team that plans on winning. They're going to, uh, that would devastate their salary cap if you, you have that much guaranteed money over the course of five years. So if I'm Lamar, and it's a shame that he doesn't have any representation, because you, you say, okay, we'll take 256 and we want 181 guaranteed, you aren't going anywhere for the five years. So, so see, I, I, when people say he doesn't have representation, I don't think it matters because you see the quarterback's are getting their money, and it's slotted. You're supposed to get whatever the next number is. If Joe Burrow gets 89, 189, you're going to want 195 or 200. I think if Lamar, I think if you gave Lamar a four-year deal for 200 million guaranteed and just said we'll leave the rest of it, I think he would sign right now. I think he would. 50 million a year mm-hmm. for four years. I'd sign that right now, and I don't have to get to $230 million guaranteed money because I'm going to take that, and then I'll be 29 years old, 30 years old, and I'll be able to resign and get another deal. And the national media perspective is, is that the concern is that he's a running quarterback who's been hurt in each of the last couple of years. If I'm Baltimore, if I'm the Ravens, I'm much more inclined to accept a four-year than a five-year deal because I think the more downs Lamar Jackson plays with the style that he plays with, 
clearly, the more likely he is to suffer an injury that's going to be able to that is going to cause him to not be able to play for me. He's, well, and that's why the Jalen Hurts situation—it's also a win for dual threat quarterbacks in a lot of ways too to get that money. So that helps Lamar Jackson mm-hmm. in this case as well. Yeah, he's he's gotten hurt in the pocket as opposed to yeah. outside of the pocket. The only time that I remember him actually getting hurt outside of the pocket was him flipping into the end zone and I think he hurt his hip. That, that He doesn't, when you're running and you have an ability to to see the things that are coming, you can generally get down, make a guy miss, get out of bounds. It's the hits where, that you don't see. Somebody coming from the blind side, somebody tackling you in the wrong way, hitting your arm and you're not, not able to protect yourself. Those are the injuries that you are more concerned about as opposed to him being out of the pocket and, and being under control and being able to see what's going on. But you know, that's something that they try to use against them in contract uh, no negotiations. Question where yeah. sometimes they like the dual threat quarterbacks, but at the same time, it's used against you of like, yep. well, you're going to get injuries, yeah. so we can't give you all this guaranteed money. Yeah, and, and even though Joe Burrow doesn't really have that secondary skill of being able to run the ball, the fact that he's been to the Super Bowl, he, he's all, he's come back from a knee injury. Missed an entire season, right? Yep. One game and yeah. missed an entire right. season. And, and no one talks about that. No one talks about Deshaun Watson missing an entire season for other reasons, mm-hmm. having multiple ACL surgeries. It's football, man. Yeah, yeah. But with specifically to to Burrow, if there is a guy that's going to get the ten year five hundred and fifty million, and I don't, I, I don't think the Bengals have any choice but to go there. Mm-hmm. But if, if you're Burrow, don't you say, okay, I'm the guy. If, if Patrick Mahomes is number one, in my opinion, Joe Burrow is one A right now, yeah. and they've given him. A lot of cachet when, within the organization. He's basically the guy, the guy that signed Orlando Brown. They, they said, hey, go out and get this guy for us, and he did. Mm-hmm. So if you're the Bengals and you're making all the TV money, they're, they, they will be able to afford it. Burrow's going to be the highest paid guy. Even if Lamar signs after Burrow, Burrow's going to be the highest paid guy. I, I, I think I agree, and I think it'll be just for a short period of time until the the – the Kansas City Chiefs say, "Okay, we'll we'll got to re up." Yeah, you, you're the number one guy in the league. We're gonna we're gonna let everyone know that that's the case, and and we'll we'll readjust this. I mean, Jalen Hurts is making fifty one million dollars a year. Well, well, if you are if you are Lamar Jackson, and maybe you don't want fifty one, maybe you want fifty two. Maybe it's it's a hundred uh, two hundred and and eight million a year, so that you can get that fifty two a year and and make sure that you're a, the highest paid player. Whatever the case is. Once the quarterback starts signing, this is a domino that, that goes in the, the, the direction of Lamar Jackson that he's looking forward to. 17 times 3 is 51. $3 million a game. Hey, Randy, nah, let me tell you something. I, I haven't played in mm, 10 years, 11 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can get you three yeah. games. <laughs> Carrie, there was a, there was a, and, and I always put this in perspective. This isn't 82 games. This isn't 162 games. I think it was Jacksonville that signed a right tackle for twelve million. No, a sixteen million dollars a year. A sixteen million dollar a year right tackle. Yeah, a, a right tackle is making virtually a million dollars a game. Beautiful. That is the power. That is the steamroller that is the NFL. They, it's unbelievable. They, they are doing well, and these quarterbacks are going to continue to get paid. And Lamar Jackson is knocking at the Ravens' door. Hey, you see what he got? We need to start taking care of fullbacks. We needed to start taking was, care of fullbacks 20 years ago. Listen, if my, my neck, my back, <laughs> my shoulders, Randy, I told you after work today, I gotta, I can't I can't do anything other than what I, I got to go get a massage. Proud of you? I, I will not be able to sit here another day if I don't get these knots taken out. So, yeah. yeah. And this is, 
this is a therapeutic. Yes, it'll be relaxing. Yes, but this is a therapeutic massage. Oh, it's not, where it's not you, really relaxing. It, it's, oh, really? It's a lot of digging. I got okay. knots and yeah. I, it's, okay. I I don't really get to fall asleep. Okay. Yeah, I would like to, mm-hmm. but you can't. But it's, yeah, I'm doing a lot of deep breathing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's like playing a game. Yes. <laughs> Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis, Brooke Grimsley, Randy Carricker. Coming up, St. Louis has uh, developed a ton of athletes in the major pro sports leagues. We're going to tell you how many, and it might surprise you. It's next on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, treks, Envision, Azek, and decorators to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Stop by and see Hackman's expanded paint department, too, with brushes, rollers, painter's tape, and four different lines of interior and exterior paint. Custom color match available. Visit Hackman Lumber's newly remodeled stores in St. Peter's and Pacific, or their showroom in Troy, Missouri. Hackman Lumber. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. So you know, the folks that do betting do a lot of research. And the folks at Online Betting Guide have done research into which city in America has produced the most major league athletes over the course of time. And Chicago, no surprise, over the course of time, because Chicago is an older city, has produced the most athletes, 1,061, including an extraordinary number of NBA players. Los Angeles, California, great climate, you can play all year long, huge population, has produced the second most pro athletes with 818. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, another uh, venerable city with a lot of great sports history, uh, has produced 717 professional athletes. Number four on the all-time list, uh, putting sport players into basketball, baseball, football, hockey. Number four on the all-time list with 553 athletes produced is St. Louis, Missouri. St. Louis, the region with more ath- Yeah, let's give St. Louis you, you, you kids a, a round of applause. More than New York, more than Houston, more than Detroit, more than Dallas, more than Cincy, more than Miami, more than Cleveland, Pittsburgh, New Orleans, and Baltimore. This was information gleaned from BaseballReference.com, ProFootballReference.com, HockeyReference.com, BasketballReference.com. Chicago has produced 494 NFL players, the most of any U.S. city. L.A. is second with NFL players. 155 NBA players born in Chicago, more than any other U.S. city. 
Philly in second place there. And Detroit has 41 NHL athletes. That city in America is the most of any that we have. But pretty amazing that St. Louis is fourth all time. And we've had some really, really good athletes come out of our area, too, to join the major four pro sports leagues, leaving completely leaving out, for example, the Spinks brothers and Jackie Joyner-Kersey, mm-hmm. people that didn't play. But we've had a pretty good run here. We have. I mean, it's— uh, I, Well, thank you. I, I, I was part of that, that number. Yep. Um, you know, it, it's— um, I tell people all the time, and, and I would have these arguments when I would go to Illinois. Obviously, that's where I played college at ball at, that— they would always, they, speaking of my teammates from the state of Illinois, Chicago, surrounding areas, always would say how great of a talent they were. And I would say, you know what, we have more talent in St. Louis. We got a lot of guys that uh, are, are playing professional sports or are on the path to playing professional sports. And I think the, the that a lot of college coaches, I, I speak specifically for, specifically for football because that's what I coach. You see a lot of college coaches coming here and getting our kids out of this city, out of this state, because there is an immense amount of talent here that, that you know, go on and have success in college and obviously go on and play in the, the professional sports. So, you know, it's it's pretty exciting that we are where we are on that list because I, I know a lot of guys that have played professionally and, and, you know, to have a lot of friends that you grew up with that, that were able to make it to that level is really cool. Yeah, I, I I was kind of surprised when you brought up this list because my first reaction was, oh, well, I thought, you know, Arizona in a lot of ways mm-hmm. because yeah. of the warmer weather, maybe California would be even higher. I was thinking like warmer weather, a lot of people moving to those areas. And even I think of like Texas and Florida is kind of being football hotbeds, especially for recruiting. You know, that's like yeah. the place to go where everybody recruits in. Right. And and that's why this surprised me as well. Now, we've had some great players that have come out of here, guys that have played for the Cardinals, like David Freeze, who's probably probably going into the Yogi Cardinals Berra. Hall of Fame. Yogi Berra is the all-time World Series appearance leader. Bernard Gilkey was a, a great Cardinal. And obviously, you look at uh, Ezekiel Elliott in football and how well he's played. And uh, Blaine Gabbert did a really good job and in his time in the And basketball, too. Uh, well, Larry Hughes. And- Tra- Travis Ford says that St. Louis is a top-five basketball market. Now, he's biased because he's the coach <laughs> at St. Louis University. But when you look at arguably a top—well, not arguably anymore— top-five player in the NBA in Tatum— and then you look at Beal, and then you go back and look at a guy like JoJo White, and you look at Patrick McCaw, uh, who David won a couple of championships. We, we've hmm? David Lee, David Lee, yeah, we, yeah. we've we've had a, a really nice run of NBA players too. Yeah, no, it has been a lot of you know that that Anthony Bonner comes to mind as well. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that you know I grew up and and you used to hear about him, his name. There there have been a lot of guys that have had the opportunity. Uh, I think what St. Louis has a lot of hockey players as well. That that kind of separates uh, us from the other cities in terms of why we are so high in professional sports, uh, professional athletes, because the hockey players, there's a lot of those guys also. And we tend to focus in on those five first-rounders from a few years ago, but you've got a guy like Scotty Mayfield. Pat LaFontaine's one of the better offensive players in the history of the league, born here, and was in Kirkwood before he moved away. Pat Maroon, who has his Stanley Cup. So it's not just the five first-rounders from a few years ago. Cam Jansen played in the league for a long time. Mm-hmm. We've had a really nice run of hockey players for a long time, and youth hockey in St. Louis is still actually growing with all the new rinks, with the new rink out in Chesterfield and yeah. the Centene Center. We're going to have more hockey players that wind up playing in the NHL. 
NHL. I, I think that's one thing that I really, really like about the NHL is that they're good at putting their roots into the community and building up that sport in the community because you see a lot of those players, they have their kids in camps, you know, with other kids and, you know, you have the players actually attending some of those camps and kind of helping out too because Centene, I mean, you have the Blues practice rink right there and mm-hmm. then also all the other rinks as well. So it's pretty accessible and the players are, do a good job of working in the community as well too and making it accessible to many people. I mean, even in Tennessee when we got the Predators, at first, you know, a lot of people are like, really? You know, hockey in the South? But then the Predators really invest in the community and also building spaces for young athletes to go to. And now I have three boy cousins back home in Tennessee. They all picked hockey, wow. essentially. Hmm. Some of them have gone back and forth between baseball. You know, when they're young, mm-hmm. they kind of go through. But at one point, they did all pick hockey as their sport, as opposed to football, which that's crazy in the South, yeah. and baseball, too. <laughs> and Carrie, along those lines, I wanted to ask you, since the Rams left, I anticipated when the Rams left that we would have a drop-off in the number of players coming out to play football. You have a lot at Hazelwood yeah. Central, but overall, how are other coaches doing? Are, are, are athletes still choosing football in our town? I think a lot of programs are losing out on, you know, we we generally have all three levels, freshman, JV, and varsity. We, we tend to have average around 100 plus kids each year, uh, but I think some programs are, are struggling with those lower levels, so you might have a, what you call a C team. You combine the JV and the freshman because you don't have enough of either to have one team. So the numbers are down uh, in terms of just the amount of kids that are showing up, but but every program still, for the most part, has a varsity team and at least one more team. So instead of three teams, you usually have two, at least two. And along these lines, kids from St. Louis, right off the top of your head, half a dozen players that you played with or against or that you know from just from up in the suburban north. They right? played in the NFL? Yeah. Uh, Damian Nash, uh, Lawrence Maroney, Wendell Bryant, Jamar Fletcher, Myself, Reggie Germany, Terrell Washington, uh, Bernard Whittington, Bernard Whittington, um, Reggie. Did I say Reggie Germany? Yeah. Yeah. Michael, Michael Young. Yeah. Those are just Hazelwood East and Hazelwood Central guys. <laughs> that's incredible. Isn't it? It's phenomenal. So yeah. that tells you that's one of the reasons yeah. because of as you call it the mecca at Hazelwood Central. Christian Morton. Yeah. I got. I got. It's. It's a. There's a lot. Yeah. We we had in in our time. There were a lot of guys that I played with or against uh, that made Martin Nance like it, it. It could we could we could we we could be here for a while. I thought Martin Nance was going to be a stud in the end. <laughs> yeah. He was a really really yeah, good. Football he was a player. teammate with me. He won a Super Bowl with us in Pittsburgh. Yeah. yeah, I think I think it's it's really interesting too that if you can see that rich history yeah. as a young athlete, because somebody texted in yesterday just asking like, why do you think specifically, you know. Is, is St. Louis is just a sports town is it because we have the Cardinals and the Blues and that's all that we have going on. I said, no, I think it's you have this rich sports history here in St. Louis that everybody knows about. Mm-hmm. And so you ha- you're able to see all these people yep. who have come through, these great athletes have come through. That's huge for yeah. the youth to see as well, to see, oh, somebody else from here can go on and do yeah. that. Yeah, that's huge for me. And also, we have to mention the soccer players as well, too. Oh, definitely. So yes. many. And then even currently, Josh Sargent as well. I mean, there's so many names. Tim yeah. Marine. I mean, yeah, it goes no, on and on. No doubt. And the study was just for the big four here in America right now. And yeah, the, the, if you add in soccer, then we're... We, we've got an awful lot. Yeah. But it's an interesting study. And St. Louis with 553 historic athletes, 
Matthew and I were talking about Bill Miller coming into town and beating up on the Cardinals in the 04 World Series. Guy led the AL in, in, in hitting in yeah, 2003. Yeah, really good player. We It's fun when we have a guy like Matt Veerling on, who's with the Tigers now, mm-hmm. and ask him, who is your guy growing up? And yeah. So all these St. Louis guys that we talked to, who is your guy growing up? We, we, we forgot one of Carrie's friends just because he played a different professional sport, Ryan Howard. <laughs> Ryan yeah, Howard. Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of guys. Thanks to the coaches. Yes. Thanks to the coaches that have done a magnificent job in turning out athletes from the St. Louis area. That's Kerry. That's Brooke. I'm Randy. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line. That is 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO. Take it or leave it coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. We do welcome your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646-314-399. yo all right, guys, uh, Jack Flaherty won and two after last night's six-inning performance. He allowed four earned runs. Of course, he didn't allow all of them because Pallante came on and allowed the grand slam. Flaherty threw 90 pitches, 53 of those for strikes. His ERA did balloon to 2.95. He has made four. Take it or leave it, Jack Flaherty makes 28 starts this year and wins 14 games. I will. Uh, yeah. Wait, will you repeat those numbers? Take it. Yes. 28, 28 starts, starts, so he'd make 24 more starts and win 13 more games. Mm. How many he's going to lose? Eight? He's uh, got six now. I mean, he's got two now, so that'd be six more. Yeah, well, it depends because he might get some no, no decisions there, like he did last night. Actually, no, he took the loss, but I yeah. guess it was last game he got the no yeah. decision. I'm gonna leave that. Okay. I'm gonna I, because I think I know he, I put a good number out there when you guys yeah. have to think about it. Yeah, so much. I'm gonna leave that. I, I I think he's gonna be in the ten to twelve win range. Okay. Yeah, I. It, it feels like, like you would also be banking on a lot of other things, kind of writing as well too, which it seems like it, we haven't seen many games where everything is clicking for those perfect situations. Yeah. Sometimes we'll we'll talk about this later in the show. But I had a fun fact for you kids when you walked in this morning. You did. Here we go. <laughs> you got it. You got it ready Dude, to go. Yeah, yep. go. Since since 2016, <laughs> your St. Louis Cardinals in the first halves of seasons have a winning percentage of 507. That's before the All Star break. After the All Star break, the Cardinals' winning percentage since 2016: 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 595. 5.07 before the All-Star break, 5.95 after the All-Star break, and it's consistent throughout. We'll give the numbers later on in the show. But the Cardinals are, they, they got a plan. They're going to be, it, it'll all come together. Don't worry about then, it. I hope the plan or the script that they're scripting doesn't end up with them exiting in the first round again. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> you <laughs> got to get in to win. Yeah. Can we script something different? Uh, by the way, so Flaherty had 11 wins in 2019. Yeah. 
That's eight like losses. 10 to 12. Yeah. 10 to 12 wins where I'm at. Randy, uh, we, Brooke, we were talking about Draymond and, the, and, and his stump yesterday. Take it or leave it. He would be a great heel as a wrestler. <laughs> oh, I'll take that 100%. Yeah. He, like, he would make tons of money. He would. Like, he, he, he's, yeah, we, we. We got to get him in WWE. He's kind of a likable guy, really likable guy. He and is. He'd be a great heel. But he is—he is like the ultimate. I can see yeah. that. Like, <laughs> I can see that for sure. After yep. career move, obviously, yes. please don't do it while the careers continue. Uh, yeah. <laughs> when it's over, <all, laughs> yeah. he is. Yeah, he's doing it. Yeah. All right. So, did you guys see this past weekend? I think I said it in the group chat. Um, Cody Bellinger got a pitch clock violation with his return to L.A., and all he did, it was very quick. It was like a tip of the cap. The fans were just trying to, we love seeing that. It's good for baseball, just giving him a nice standing ovation, and he got a pitch clock violation. Take it or leave it. Major League Baseball needs to do something about that, and I get that they want their umps to be very strict here early on. We saw the situation with Ali Marmol not getting that you know, challenge in time. I get that they're trying to show, look, we're really being a stickler for these rules, but take it or leave it, you should allow that. You should allow at least a decent standing ovation. I mean, it, it's good for baseball. Take it. And if you are Rob Manfred, you're making your umpire look bad. Right. If you're saying, hey, we have to be a stickler for the rules and the people that are buying the tickets want to honor somebody who played for the team, that makes the umpire look bad. It's not bad TV, though, either. I don't see how it's bad TV. It's not like it takes that long. Like, how long was the longest standing ovation when Albert came? Maybe like a Mm, about a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a minute. But I thought it was great TV and people love seeing. that. It's on the umpire to have awareness of what's going on in that moment. There's a possibility that. You know, he may not even realized what was taking place, that it was returning back to L.A. and, and that was going to take place. They have to be aware that they have those conversations just like they, hey, you know, such and such got one technical file. We don't want to necessarily mm-hmm. call another one on them to get him out of the game. Those conversations do play, take place. Hey, Albert Pujols is returning for the St. Louis Cardinals. He hasn't been here in X number of years. We might want to give him a little bit of leeway when he comes up to the plate and not give him, you know, this pitch clock violation if that were to take place. It's just a, a, an awareness that I think they weren't obviously aware of in that moment. Oh, he sense. had to have known. You see people I don't think, standing up yeah, and cheering? He, <laughs> you, you see them standing up, but you don't realize. He might not have realized that that was him returning you know, for that game, for his first game back, mm-hmm. and, and really understanding that that's what was taking place. Yeah. So not to say that he's not at fault for it, the umpire. You know, he still should have some, some respect. For, for what players are going through and what they've done. But, you know, I, I think it was a case where he just did not know. Always blame the umpire. Well, Always. Who else would you blame? Exactly. Yeah. Matthew, what do you got on that text line? Take it or leave it. Palante should be sent down or placed on the 10-day IL to rest his arm so it isn't trashed Ooh. by August. Yeah, I'll take it. <sighs> Place him on... Yeah, t- place him on the 10-day IL. I was confused. Is it just fatigue in general that he was experiencing on Saturday and that's why we didn't see him? Or was it fatigue and arm fatigue combined I don't know that's a good question but he was certainly if your available arm for is fatigued are if, if you're fatigued or if your arm is fatigued aren't you fatigued is there is there is Everybody's there, there fatigued yeah I mean can you separate the two? Oh or, yeah because or, I get fatigued but my arm is not well, you're not throwing hundreds of pitches Randy <laughs> no but I mean you can be out till two in the morning and be fatigued right <laughs> well the arm is fatigued. they did come back from Colorado so oh, if it was point, the yeah. fatigue of coming back from 
maybe had altitude sickness and couldn't handle it like I couldn't handle it when mm-hmm. I went to Colorado and it I was dying. Some, yeah, it does <laughs> something to your body. Like it I'm makes not you feel like terrible. when you get when I got back, my body felt like oh. I I just yeah, think it's what weird. Is this? Medical science has gone so far in trying to preserve these guys that they aren't doing them any favors at all. I mentioned to you guys the other day that Mike Marshall threw 106 games. I'm not expecting Mike Marshall to throw 100 or Andre Pallante to throw 106 games. But Bruce Souter wanted to throw four out of every seven, and he was fine. He's a Hall of Famer. Uh, Eckersley did it. I, why could they do it again then, but they can't do it now? I don't know. Not... You would think that it would be easier now. You'd think. With all of the, the medicine. Like, I, Randy, I don't know if I told you this. When I played, I didn't have any surgeries because I was just like, what would Jim Brown do? Yeah. That was my mindset <laughs> there every day. What would Jim Brown yep. do? He would just play. I've had multiple surgeries since then, mm-hmm. but during my time, what would Jim Brown do? That's If you live by that mindset, you're probably going to be okay. When I would see Kerry around, I'd always wonder about that WWJD bra- <laughs> uh, bracelet that he had on. Now I know. What would Jim do? <laughs> Take it or leave it. The word of the day is six. The Cardinals have not won game one of their series so far this season. Ooh. Take it. Oh, oh, well. All right, Randy, here we go. You think we got it? I think, oh, I know we got that. I mean, we, pretty, we should have like numbers four through eight at least. The number of the day really hops and kicks. The number of the day is six. Yeah, yeah, we need to we do a better it. job oh, here. I, of, uh, I know we got six. That, that's, a little, that's a little bit happier than what you would expect it for, for that yeah. situation. Well, we did it for losing streaks, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we had the eight-game losing streak, then we had the winning streak. Yep. Oh, thanks, Sesame Street. Take it or leave it. The Cardinals should swap their Saturday jerseys with their red spring training jerseys. Totally leave that. No. <laughs> no. Under no circumstances. <laughs> Never. Do we play spring training games in the regular season? None. None. Fair enough, Randy, but take it or leave it. The only cap the Cardinals should wear on the road is navy. Okay, I can buy into that. I'm, I can buy uh, into Navy road caps. No, navy. no Navy road caps with baby blues. I like no, the no, no, baby no, 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 sorry. Well, yeah, obviously, aside from the baby blue, I'm just talking, if you're okay. going to be wearing your regular road jersey, Navy road caps. There are several horrible things that have happened to baseball okay. in the last 30 years. Analytics is one of them. Oh, that's number Spring one. training jerseys in the regular season is another. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I get so tired. Wait, I, which one's higher or lower? I Analytics can't tell. is oh, number okay. one. Yeah. And there is not, I mean, yeah. you can move those other ones further down the list. You don't need a two, three, four, or five. The analytics is, is at the top of I don't every need list. A, I don't need a navy blue. Now, the worst thing ever was the, the dark gray Diamondbacks jerseys. No, you're They made me throw up in my mouth. They were the worst. <laughs> but the twins wearing navy blue, I, I don't yeah. need it. I don't, I don't, the Guardians, come on, go gray and white and then go traditional. I know you've never won, so, you, well, twins did beat us in the World Series. But still, <laughs> let's just... Let's try to be what our sport is traditional. I don't. I, I, yeah. I, I don't. I don't see NFL teams. Well, I. I guess the, was it the, you guys the Steelers that wore yeah. the prison jerseys? Yeah, yeah. I wasn't there for those jerseys. No. Those were horrendous. <laughs> we did have a, a black and white pants and gold helmet set yeah. that we wore. I think there's a team in baseball now that doesn't even have a gray jersey. The uh, the the one team the. Aaron Rodgers, the Packers, Packers wore yeah. the blue, and that oh, yeah. was that. Yeah, Acme, Acme Trading Company. Yeah. Oh, that was yeah. terrible. That was bad. Okay, you got another one. I'm sorry about that rant. 
<laughs> no, I was just saying I'm, I've been waiting three years for the Cardinal City Connect jerseys because people are going oh, to riot yeah. in the streets when they finally horrible. come here. It's going to be so Wait, bad. Do they have what they look like? I think. Like? It's, no, I think. That, I think. I think the Cardinals are next year. I think they might be like the, the very last yeah. team to be getting their first ones. It's either late this year or or next year. But I, I've been waiting forever because St. Louis is going to riot when they yeah. come out. The, the Rangers Wait. are wearing. I mean, you remember the yeah. Boston Marathon ones for the Red Sox? I loved them, but people did not. Those so, are, sometimes uh, those they've are done fine. good. Those good. ones were fantastic. Yeah, but. I mean, a lot of people are, are mad about the City Connect jerseys. I think, I mean, the Marlins ones are the throwbacks to, like, the teal 90s ones, which I think are fantastic. The Dodgers, to their credit, have gotten rid of the navy blue pants with theirs. Wow. The navy blue on navy blue. Who's, what are you people thinking? Why was teal What's such a hot color the in the Tines 90s? do it. It's horrible. That's what's wrong with Why it? was teal such a hot color in the 90s? I don't know. Every, it's old. It's old. <laughs> yeah. well, I love that teal. And you know what? Every, Charlotte yeah. Hornets. Like, you had yeah. the teal was popping well, in the 90s. It was. And everybody had a black jersey. It was, well, why, why, are you, yeah. why are you having a black jersey? Well, it, it was BFBS. It was black for black's sake. Mm. We, we just, well. well <laughs> Another jersey to sell? Yeah. Why, you. Why, are you, why do you have a black jersey? Well, because. <laughs> the Bulls wore their black and red pinstripe jerseys. Those were hot. Nice. Those were good. Yeah. It was the teal and hot pink, too. It was for whatever of, reason, that combo. Teal. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Interesting. Uh, Google the <laughs> Texas Rangers City Connect with cream and black. I don't know what Major League Baseball was thinking here, but it's just bad. So, but yes, uh, to your point, monochrome Brook is always bad. Arizona Cardinals red on red, bad. Uh, with the with the you old don't like ramp. the you don't like the the, the red on nah, Randy never. Randy no. I don't tell red, you. red jersey white pants you see the Nationals have the best city connect I like I like that one no let me check uh, it out you don't like it that's cool that's cool I show I uh, of course nobody can see what I'm showing other than you guys in here but I showed the class the Washington Nationals city connect jerseys you oh, can yeah, use great. the Google machine Bro, do you like, I like orange. These. You, yes, I think you do. Like you, you Google, seem like an orange. Google Giants City Connect. The Giants City Connect is the best in baseball. Clean, cool, awesome. Uh, they did it right, but for the most part, they've done it wrong. And I'm not surprised that the <laughs> Cubs wound up with horrible City Connect jerseys because you know they're they're the Cubs. White Sox horrible. The the Dodgers horrible. It's most of the City Connects. <sighs> not a fan. I I. I my God, I hope that they don't screw up the Cardinals thing as badly as Matthew thinks they're going to. I don't think, here's the thing though, I don't think they're going to necessarily screw it up. I just think that you can't get it right with what Cardinals do you mean? fans. Like, you just because, slap an arch on it. That's what I'm thinking, Brooke. But yeah. like, if they go anything it. but Cardinal red and, and like a, a really big, like you think, if you go anything but like white and red, I think there's going to be a you problem. Have to. You have and to. so oh, I, I just think this. that anything they do is going yes, to be. Nice. Anything they do is going to get hit. I think. I I White. think that's all. I'm, I'm just monochrome. I'm just saying. I I don't feel like I don't feel it's going to go great. Well, and the blues, like when they did the kind of full yellow, I still see those around. I like those. But I'm sometimes good. it looks like the Nashville Predators because it's almost the exact same yeah, yellow. Good point. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Kerry does like the, uh, the I like White the, Sox. I like the White Sox. The, the yeah. Rockies one is uh, a bit atrocious. Yeah, they've got uh, some some bad ones. Some Thank you, Matthew. <laughs> Thank you, Randy. Uh, coming up next on 101 ESPN, we've got our Rush Hour Reset. Cards lose last night. And I'm going to give you uh, those numbers about the Cardinals and why you needn't worry about them. Uh, what's wrong? Oh, no, we got Panger coming up. Panger, I'm, I'm looking How at the clock wrong. How can you forget about Panger? I, I am, I'm already in mountain time. Uh, so Panger is next on ESPN. 
You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. To the celebrity line, and Darren Pang joins us. Panger is covering the playoffs for TBS and TNT, and he joins us now as he does Tuesday mornings here on 101 ESPN. Panger, good morning. How are you doing? Good morning, Randy. I'm doing fantastic. I'm, I'm actually still here in St. Louis for a few more days. Um, uh, ESPN has the first uh, couple of games of each uh, uh, series. And, uh, boy, they got some beauties last night, a couple of those late games. I, I, I couldn't stay up for them, to be quite honest with you. But, man, <laughs> woke, up this, woke up this morning to see a double overtime and an overtimer. And I said to myself, typical West, uh, unheralded, um, doesn't get enough credit, and uh, as entertaining as the, uh, as the East. So, um, but in the meantime, I'm going to head to Tampa Bay for games three and, uh, and four. Um, and so that, that'll be a, a raucous place there at Amelie Arena. Yeah, there was a lot of good games last night. Uh, did you see? Did you happen to see the one? Do you think it was a dirty hit or was it clean? Oh uh, boy, I didn't see it. I so I, I honestly, Brooke, I I don't know which one it is. Uh, then I'm going to say it's playoff hockey, so it's clean. <laughs> yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> well, I guess we should get into more with the Blues side of things. Doug Armstrong having his you know final talk with the media for wrapping up this past season, and you had the players as well. It seemed like the common theme is that this group felt like they were disconnected this season. What did you think about those comments? Well, I think the best comments came from the two guys that I consider their their top leaders, and, and Justin Falcon and Braden Shen, and. And, you know, I think Justin Falk went right into real heavy detail uh, about how the team, uh, you know, under a little adversity early on, just didn't stick together. And, and uh, so that just, you know, that just tells you that, uh, that all the glue that this team has been all about for a long period of time um, finally wore down a little bit. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I mean, I think it's fairly easy to explain that myself. Um, the will and the leadership guys uh, – you know, guys that ended up being gone in the offseason. Um, Billy Huso wasn't quite part of that, but he was a heck of a goalie. And I would say that, uh, that that certainly David Perron was a big part of that glue and a big part of speaking up in that locker room when things aren't going well and, and had an ability to, honestly, and David would know this, that ability to get under your skin um, because he's, you know, so enthusiastic but so alert and always got something going. And at the same time, he keeps everybody accountable. And I think that's number one. And then as you sift down the line, you know, when you lose eight games in a row and not get a point in those eight games, you know there's something going on. I mean, I don't care what league you're talking about. So those early parts of it that we've talked and broken down every week here on, 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 your, on your show here on ESPN Radio, it's been the same thing. We've, we've broken it down. Where's the will? Where's the stick to Where's the guys that battle for one another? And so those those are obviously the, the biggest reasons why this team isn't in the playoffs right now. Panger, who does that fall on? Is it management? Is it the head coach? Is it the, the leaders of the team, the players? Who does that, I don't want to say blame, but who does that, that, that load fall on? You know, I'm, I'm a really simple guy. I think it falls on the players. I, I, I've always felt that way. Like, 
you know, you can take whatever's on the outside um, and, and it might, and it bothers you. And maybe you've lost a really good friend. Maybe your wife's lost, you know, your next door neighbor. And those are bothersome things, but this is, you know, it is professional sports as you know, Carrie. And, and, and so for me, I, I guess as if, if it was me in that locker room and, and I was one of those players, I don't think I'd been looking and, and pointing the finger at too many other things. I think I'd be looking in that mirror and saying, what could I have done better to, to galvanize this group or to bring them together. And if you tried everything in your power and it still didn't work, well, then maybe some of the guys aren't the right fit for the locker room. And along those lines, Panger, one of the quotes from Doug Armstrong on Saturday was, quote, there's a group of players, and I'm not saying that they're bad or that they're wrong, but they'll play 18 minutes in a game to get an 18-second shift that can go on YouTube and get a million likes and think that that was a good night. He added, I have to understand what makes them think like that and how we can say, you can have that, but you can also, can you also give us this? And like Doug Armstrong said, I don't know how you're able to to cross that bridge to get somebody who grew up in a social media era and a microwave era where the, it's got to be fast and in 18 seconds. I, I don't know how you get the 18 minutes from the person that's that wants the spectacular six, 18 seconds. Yes, and uh, there's only a few players that that you know, could possibly be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, and... I mean, how do you, that's the player that, that's the player that's there. I mean, I don't think that that player has changed very much. And, and if that player happens to be Jordan Cairo, um, then like, that's, you know, I, I, I'm not sure how many winning environments he's, he's been in. I, I, I'm sure that he's been in a couple in his life. So he knows the difference between, you know, a 20 second highlight, uh, reel on TikTok or, or, you know, or, or playing a full game. I mean, if that is indeed who it is or whoever it might be. Um, but I, I, I mean, I, I personally think that, um, that that might've been a little bit of an exaggeration of, of what is there inside that, you know, and what those players are that, that army was referring to. Um, but you know, I, 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 I got that sense sometimes that, that the players, you know, there are some, some players that, uh, that are, are being given the anointment of being the next ones. And, and Jordan certainly fits that bill. Uh, sometimes as if he wanted to take control of it and run with it um, and wasn't worried about anything else in life. And then some games and sometimes and some practices, uh, it was the opposite. So uh, I'll go back to your original question. I, I, you know, I always think that falls on a player. Um, I think the coaches could obviously do other things as well uh, to make players more accountable and that might mean hurting some feelings and sitting them on the bench a little bit more. Um, you know, in this cap world, it's a hard thing. You can't lose a player. If you lose them for a long period of time, then, then you can't replace them with anything because you can't send them down to the minors. So that's a hard balance that these coaches have right now. And if you've got a hockey player that you can't, you know, be aggressive with or be yelled at him and tell him to do something better because that player turns into a shell, then what do you do? So that, that's kind of the predicament that I think, you know, not just the Blues. I think that's all around the league, to be quite honest with you. And it is an interesting, Panger. If if we look at the teams that uh, I think you and I could both put together a list of teams that think we think have a chance to win a Stanley Cup, if they aren't veteran teams at their core, for the most part, and maybe New Jersey is the one outlier here, they have really good, solid veteran leadership. Yeah, Um you have to have great veteran leadership. And, and that's why I, I really enjoyed what, you know, what Justin and, and what Braden said. I think it was, it was, it was right on the money. And so, um, you know, the, the Devils are, are a unique team 
They've been put together relatively fast. They've had high draft picks and picked very, very well and had the luck of that, you know, being really good players too. And he sure and, and Hughes. Um, and, and they've added some, you know, some veterans along the way that, uh, that wouldn't be deemed, you know, Ryan O'Reilly esque, <laughs> but you know, I, I think they've, uh, they're, they're a unique team, but all you know, the other teams that are in there, they've got guys that they can count on when the game's a two-one hockey game, and they've got guys that have been there before. And whether it be that even the New York Islanders who lost last night or Carolina Hurricanes, uh, they're you know these are all these are all teams that still have gone through good experiences and have the ability to to bounce back and not rely on youthful enthusiasm that might be a little reckless at times. Well, Doug Armstrong said that one of his biggest, I guess, homeworks this offseason is going to be trying to figure out what makes young players mm-hmm. tick. That seems to be the million-dollar question for a lot of coaches right now. Uh, what would you think? I feel like, Panger, you're young and hip. You know, I, I, feel, I feel like you got a pulse of this. You know, are they Gen Z or Gen is this Gen Z, the new uh, generation? Who knows? Yeah, we I feel lost. like you have the pulse of lost. Gen Z. <laughs> what makes young players tick? Um, what makes them tick? It's, uh, that's a very fascinating, um, uh, it's been a fascinating development over the last few years. What makes them tick? Um, you know, I, I think, I think what makes them tick is being, you know, put in the pressure of, of, of being known around the league as a, as a top end player. Um, not necessarily the, the dynamics of the Michigan, you know, move from behind the net, but, but, but guys that are counted on, there's a group of young players around the league. I mentioned Hughes or Heesher, and there's a ton of the same kind of player from the same generation um, that, that want to be better than the next guy. They want to be better than Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid. So what makes them tick? I, I, I think what makes them tick is the competition, you know, to, to be a top six player. Um, and at the same time, I still believe that if a player isn't that, you can still make them accountable by them missing a couple of power plays, missing a couple of shifts. I think that should get their, their energy. That should make them tick. Um, and I would hope that would be it. The other thing that makes them tick is let them be themselves. But when, once they get into that locker room, they have got to be ready to perform and they've got to be ready to be professionals and battle for your teammates. And, and uh, so that's, that's, uh, that's my 59-year-old in me. I'm not <laughs> sure. I don't have TikTok, but I have Twitter, and I, I and I've got Instagram, and I do see what these guys, you know, I do see what some of them post, but you know, not all of them. I, I don't think that's entire their life. I think they like music, you know, they like young music, they like, like young playlists. Some of the music isn't for me; it's not my cup of tea. Some of the warm up music, but then some of it is. So. I think I think you have to understand that uh, all these generations are are, are very much different. Panger, you talked about being a coach in in, in this type of envi- environment. How can how hard can you push these guys? I mean, it, it, as a high school coach, I can I can get my point across because I don't have guys making eight million dollars a year, right? So, yep. how hard can you push a guy that is making that type of money if he doesn't want to do it? Ah, that's the million dollar question you got right there. That's the <laughs> eight million times eight years, 64 million dollar question that everybody seems to be getting in the National Hockey League nowadays. So, um, yeah, uh, you know, different to carry than, than, than what you've got, obviously, and mm-hmm. what a college, even, even recruiting a college player, especially in, in, the, in the previous years where you had that player. Uh, even in major junior A that I played in, you basically you're drafted by a team. You were there. You were afraid to get traded. You didn't want to get that. You worked your tail off because that's what you that's who you were and what you were all about. And 
And so now there are some players in the NHL, and I'll say this, that young group of Tampa Bay Lightning that came up from the Braden Points, uh, Palats, the Kucherov, these guys, I think that group there, they were so competitive, you could do whatever you want. You could, you, you could bark at them. You could sit them on the bench. Uh, you could make them a healthy scratch. They're going to come back, and they're going to be competitive, and they're going to prove you wrong, and they're going to shove it right up you nowhere. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and I think – but there are still some players – that yeah, you got to be careful with. You can't you can't overdo it. Which I, you know, I, I'm not sure how you can separate the two. You're either going to be a, you know, a team that that demands more from your guys, and if you have to be a little aggressive with your teammate, you be a little aggressive with your teammate. And if and if they can't handle it, then they can't handle it. Maybe it's not the league for them. So uh, so I think by and large, there's a lot of guys that are humbled by not playing, uh, embarrassed by it, and come back storm and carry and they you know they become a better version of themselves and and that's what you want in a player anyway the other ones the other ones whether you can handle them or not i don't know i'm not sure if i want them in my locker room if they're not going to be competitive panger before we let you go how's brucey doing today brucey's having a good day with with mama um uh darren is uh here i am speaking in third word (laughs) (laughs) i have just opened my locker at meadowbrook country club and i'm gonna try to get uh uh, Jackman, Peel, and Jamal Mears uh, reaching for their pocket by the end of this round and see if I can get some do-re-mi in my pocket. How about that? Sound? <laughs> I love that, and I'm sure you will. Tell the boys we said hi. I will do that for sure. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Take care. Take Have care. a great day. You see, that is Darren Pang joining us on 101 ESPN. A little do-re-mi in mm. Panger's pocket there. <laughs> coming up, there's a cool event coming up in St. Louis this summer that you need to know about. We're going to tell you about it next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. And we have such a great history in St. Louis of music and fun and concerts. And there is a sensational event coming up August 26th and 27th. It's the Evolution Festival. And joining us here in studio are Joe LaFay and Big J to talk about what's going to come up in August. By the way, it's going to take place at the beautiful Forest Park in St. Louis. Big J, good to have you with us. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How y'all doing? Thanks for having us. We're very excited, and uh, there's a lot of stuff that's, uh, uh, boy, a lot of Grammy award-winning bands and and not bands that we know. And Joe, it's incredible. Uh, and I know that you're you've got some dates right now. You've and single ticket sales available, right? Yeah. So we um, we announced the festival back in February. Response has been overwhelmingly amazing so far. And um, today we're actually announcing our daily lineups, our single day lineups, and uh, talking about the fact that we're going to have single day tickets going on sale tomorrow. I am excited about Ice Cube. I, I, that, <laughs> I, when I saw the list, I said, Ice Cube? Okay, that, now that's something that I can get into. When you go into to planning this, how far out do you have to start planning this and, and getting the entertainers to sign up and decide that they want to be a part of it? That's oh, a great question. I mean, we you know, this is my 16th festival that I've, that I've produced, and um, it really they really do take a long time to come together. We started talking about the concept of, of Evolution Festival a year and a half, two years ago, really just to sort of get our heads around my partner, Steve Shankman, and I to get our heads around um, sort of what we wanted the concept to be and how we wanted it to look and feel for St. Louis. Uh, in terms of actually 
uh, working on the talent. I mean, we brainstormed and came up with with a hundred different scenarios of mm-hmm. lineup. But it, it probably started last September. We started really honing in on the talent, and there's a whole sort of process with dealing with the agents and the managers for the artists and negotiation. And and um, you know, we we had most of the lineup locked in by the end of the year, but it took a solid three months. And I think for next year, mm-hmm. we'll likely start even earlier. I mean, typically nowadays, you need to spend a good 12 months curating the perfect lineup. Awesome. Well, well, and also the first thing that I noticed too, I love the area that it's in as well. I love Forest Park. Can you just talk about having the festival over there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, you know, we looked all over St. Louis for the what we felt was the perfect festival site. You know, of course, we had our eye on Forest Park from from the very beginning because it's Forest Park. It's a it's a gem here in St. Louis. And, you know, what we didn't want to do was was find a location that other things had happened or, um, you know, we wanted to find something fresh that still spoke to the vision that we're trying to create with evolution. So we went all through Forest Park and and really sort of discovered Langenberg Field, which kind of sits uh, right between the, the the tennis courts and the boathouse, and we saw that we saw the location, and we said, "This is it. This is a perfect. This is a perfect spot. There's great ingress and egress for for people and, and vehicle traffic coming in and out." And we just fell in love with it as soon as we saw it. And then I saw too that barbecue is going to be the theme of this too as well. And you guys brought in some barbecue for us. Yeah. So obviously we got Big J uh, Boatwright's Barbecue here with us, who's very quickly turning into our festival hype guy. <laughs> we, also, we also have Chris Schaefer with us from Heavy Smoke. We've got a lot of great local barbecue uh, joints that are involved with us on the festival. Heavy Smoke being one of them. And Chris joins us this morning, and he brought in some uh, some great barbecue for you all. Y'all awesome. in for a real treat, man. It's a bad man right here. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to that. try it out. You can, you can go to evolutionfestival.com, and as you mentioned, Joe, the tickets are going to be available. And I, I gave, I said that there were big names, but you've got on Saturday the Black Keys, the Black Crows. You've got Brandy Carlisle coming, Ben Harper and the Innocent Criminals. Uh, Carrie mentioned the Ice Cube is going to be here, Cautious Clay, Nikki Lane. What an array of stars you have coming into town. That was the goal. I mean, to create a festival, our goal with with Evolution Festival is we want to we want to create something that's interwoven within the community of St. Louis that, that St. Louis can take great pride in and call their own. Uh, and the way to do that is to try to appeal to as many of of the people in the market as possible. And obviously, we all know St. Louis is an incredibly diverse marketplace. So we tried to curate a really diverse lineup and have a little something for everyone. And, you know, it's great when I hear the responses because everybody that we talk to, you know, some get really excited about Brandy Carlisle. Others get super excited about Ice Cube or Sugar Hill Gang. Sugar Hill Gang. There you go. (laughs) You know, I mean, hey, it's celebrating the 50th year of of, uh, 50th anniversary of hip hop this Mm -hmm. year. So the timing is actually perfect. And and both uh, Ice Cube and Sugar Hill Gang are going to do some things around uh, the 50th anniversary of hip-hop in August with us, uh, which is, which you'll hear more about later. You know, go ahead. I was going to say, you got a lot of other food vendors as well. Any other ones that, that stand out for you that uh, that people should definitely check out? So many, and I have to look down to read off my list. Because I don't, <laughs> you know, we, we've, got, we've got some great uh, barbecue establishments that are that are working with us. Obviously, Heavy Smoke, who's here, Chris is here today, Sugar Fire, Pappy's, Beast, 
um, Truos, Cajun Barbecue, Gobble Stop, Five Aces. Joe, you don't even need to like music to come yeah, here. Exactly. This thing. Well, that's <laughs> the thing. The pillars of the festival are, are music, bourbon, and barbecue. That's so awesome. we're going to have a ton of great barbecue there. And we also have a lot of other restaurants, that uh, local restaurants that are going to be involved, like um, uh, High Point, um, Steve's Hot Dogs, Mission Taco, Tavaru, Strange Donuts, Alibi Cookies. I mean, wow. it's really, it's not just about the music, and that's really the key to creating a successful festival brand these days. It's about St. Louis. It's about St. Yeah, Louis. It speaks go. to St. Louis, uh, about St. Louis, shines a spotlight on St. Louis. We're getting a lot of attention and attraction from outside of St. Louis, which is always great. We want people coming into St. Louis for the weekend and spending their time with us. Yeah. All right, Big J, we need the best hype you got right now. The best hype I got? You do not want to miss this. If this goes on for the next 10 years, you can never say you made the first one. Mm. So you better be there. But you can say I was at the first one where it was epic, where it started, where we got it in, baby. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> Evolution Festival. It. Go to evolutionfestival.com. Folks, thanks for coming in. We really appreciate it. And we can't wait to, to be there in August, uh, on August 26th and 27th. Thanks for uh, having us and enjoy the barbecue. We Thank will. you very much. Thank you. Right. Uh, Big J and Joe Lipbag with the fabulous Evolution Festival coming up in August here in St. Louis, evolutionfestival.com. The fight is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter today is Lee. Lee, how are you doing? Hey, Kerry. Hey, Brooke. I'm doing well. How are you guys? We're doing well. We, we're doing really well, actually. We're doing we just really had good. a little bit of barbecue. It's not too early for barbecue, is it? We're, we're okay. No, absolutely not. not. That's, that's beautiful. It was, it was absolutely amazing. All right, you ready to take on Randy Carricker in the fight today? You know, I've, if I remembered yesterday morning, he went 4-0, and the other listener went, uh, they got championship 0-4, so yeah. I'm, I'm a little nervous. So. <laughs> well, maybe today will be a little bit better for you. Are you here we go. On this, on this day in 2008, the NBA voted to move this franchise to Oklahoma City to become the Thunder. Was it the New Orleans Hornets, the Vancouver Huskies, or the Seattle Supersonics? The Supersonics. Which player holds the Blues' all-time record for career's goal, career goals scored in the Stanley Cup playoffs? Is it Brett Hull, Bernie Federko, or Vladimir Tarasenko? Oh, man. We're going to go Bernie. Which Tigers pitcher was accused of using an illegal, an illegal substance and forced to wash his hands in Game 2 of the 2006 World Series? Was it Nate Robertson, Joel Zamaya, or Kenny Rogers? Kenny Rogers. That was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Yesterday, Jaron Jackson Jr. became the second youngest defensive player of the year in NBA history, trailing only trailing only this late 2000s big man, Yao Ming, Dwight Howard, or Joe Kim Noah. Not not great with NBA, but we'll go with. Uh, can, can I get the options again? Yao Ming, Dwight Howard, Joe Kim Noah. 
Let's go with um, Gowing. All right, we'll double-check the scores, and we will bring in Randy Carricker. All right, Lee, minus the basketball question, because you said you didn't know basketball that well. How, how, how did you feel? How do you feel? And not great. Not great? Okay. My, my well. mo, yeah. <laughs> not great. Okay. I, I, I mean, yeah, not great. It happens sometimes. Randy's coming in with his awful black cherry propel, which I think is the worst flavor of propel ever created but unbelievable randy how are you doing it's fantastic to you and that's all that matters it's i'm not drinking it (laughs) it's true so what about about grape cherry soda is like are we okay with grape i'm great with grape okay good Grape, strawberry kiwi no i'm uh, i'm with you i would would go with strawberry kiwi over black cherry every day oh wow yeah i I only want strawberry kiwi when i want a bad taste in my mouth (laughs) that's how i feel about black cherry (laughs) randy say hello to lee lee good morning how you doing Hey, I'm doing great, Randy. Listen to you guys every morning. Thank Love you very show. much. We appreciate that. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for playing today. All right, Randy, here we go. Okay. On this day in 2008, the NBA voted to move this franchise to Oklahoma City to become the Thunder. That would have been the Seattle Supersonics that moved from Oklahoma City to Oklahoma City to become the Thunder. Actually, it was a product of the... New Orleans Hornets playing a year in Oklahoma City and drawing so well and having so much success after Katrina, but then they went back to New Orleans. New Orleans. Which player holds the Blues' all-time record for a career goals scored in the Stanley Cup playoffs? Brett Hall. Which Tigers pitcher was accused of using an illegal substance and forced to wash his hands in Game 2 of the 2006 World Series? You picked a fine time to leave me, Lucy. That would have been uh, Kenny Rogers. Kenny Rogers. Beautiful. You want a a little tidbit there? What? So uh, the reason that Tony didn't complain, (laughs) because he and Leland were buddies, and he knew that Leland knew, and I'm not going to cast aspersions on Brad Thompson or anything like that. <laughs> but I think that Leland probably knew there was a Cardinal pitcher or two that had stuff on their hands, too. You're not going to tell on anyone if we're doing the same thing. I don't want you checking over here. You do your thing over there, whatever well, it takes. What was it, Mike Schultz, that said it was the league's dirty little secret? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Yesterday, Jaron Jackson Jr. became the second youngest defensive player of the year in NBA history, trailing only this late 2000s big man. Late 2000s. I, I should have read the article. I will do the lifeline here. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Oh, not that it is. I'm just giving you the options. Yao Ming, Dwight Howard, Joe Kim Noah. OK, I think Noah played four years of college in Florida. Um, it seems like Yao would have been the guy. I'm, although it'll probably wind up being who is the third choice. It'll probably wind up being Joe him. Kim Noah. Noah, and then who is the other guy? Dwight from, Howard. Dwight Howard. I don't think it was Dwight Howard. Well, it could have been Dwight. I don't, I have no idea. So I'm just gonna go with <laughs> uh, I, I'm just gonna go with Yao because he was tall. <laughs> That was a very, very tall big man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Being tall does help in the sport of basketball, especially when it comes to being defensive player I, of the I, year. I've given you the stat. <laughs> You're not Nearly wrong. 20% of all seven-footers wind up playing in the NBA. I just like feel, 17% of all people And then they play feet. what? Volleyball is the other yeah, percentage? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you don't play sport and you're seven feet tall, it's not a good stat to hear. Walking around. Yeah, <laughs> just, just Do you just feel around. like you're a genetic disappointment at that point? Just, yeah, you are. I don't 
know. You're hitting your you head know. on a lot of doorways for no <laughs> apparent some, reason. Yeah. I don't want to talk down on my tall friends. <laughs> <laughs> the seven foot ones, yeah. <laughs> we talk have out. a winner in today's fights. Ring that bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is presented by Golf Discount of St. Louis. With the most experienced club fitters in town. Why shop anywhere else? Just win, baby. Okay, so we got to win. I just I need the, the folks at Golf Discount to know, I know you love me and I love you. Because they, they got upset yesterday when I said that they had been mad at me because I'd lost a couple times. And they were mad. Well, one of the guys really was, legitimately. But the, as a group, I know Golf Discount. I know you love me, and I love you. Uh, we're, they're uh, the absolute best. Lee, I'm sorry you heard the sounder there. You did lose today's fight. 3-2 to two to Randy Carricker. It was a close oh. one today. Yeah, it's, it's rough when it's just one. I'm sorry. Let's go through those answers. It was, in fact, the Seattle Supersonics who were agreed to move to Oklahoma City to become the Thunder. Great little addendum there about the, the Hornets. Um, when Katrina happened, the Oklahoma City proved their way to the NBA. By the way, did you know that St. Louis was <laughs> right behind Oklahoma City to play the, to host those Hornets games? Yeah. Yeah, great job, St. George, Louis. Uh, the, their owner... George Shin actually negotiated to move that franchise here from Charlotte, but he didn't want to sell the franchise, and Bill Laurie wanted to own the franchise. That was our other opportunity to have another NBA team in St. Louis, besides the, well, we were we had the Grizzlies and then screwed it up. We have a tendency to do that. <laughs> Brett Hall is the Blues' all-time career leader for career goals scored in the Stanley Cup playoffs. In 102 games, he scored 67 goals. Number two, by the way, is Vladimir Tarasenko, 41 in his 90 career games in the playoffs for the Blues. It was Kenny Rogers in Game 2 who was accused of an illegal substance, and a lot of St. Louis fans remember that. And then yesterday, Jaron Jackson Jr. became the second youngest de- defensive player of the year in NBA history, trailing only Dwight Howard, mm. who came right out of high school and then won it a few years later. 3-2 win for Randy Carricker in the fight. Lee, thank you so much for joining the fight and joining the show today. I, I like Thanks, how you I guys both Thanks, deduce yeah, that Yao Ming would be the answer for that he's one. Tall. <laughs> he's tall. Yes. <laughs> I like the line he was thinking. in the league and he was very tall at the time, so let's go with it. Well, and I thought <laughs> that the that time. would. The reason I picked it is because I thought that would, that would have played to a narrative. He might not have been the best defensive player, but because he was from China, I would have thought the NBA would have said, "Okay, well, let's make this guy uh, our defensive player of the year, so that we can sell more Yao jerseys." If you get a chance, Google Jay Williams and Yao. Yao Ming picture. It looks like he's a ventriloquist. Like he looks like Jay is the dummy mm. sitting on his lap. It, that, that's you listen how, to the show in the morning. You might think that too. <laughs> if you oh, want to wow. have something, if you want to have even more fun, uh, Google, <laughs> Google, <laughs> just Google, Randy. just Google guards blocking Yao Ming. It's the funniest thing you'll see in your entire what? life. Randy, what it, did Jay Williams ever do to you? <laughs> <laughs> what did he do to you? I like Jay Williams. You know? <laughs> I'm just talking about a funny picture, man. I just about a funny Jay, picture. Jay, Jay never bothered you, did he? <laughs> what did he do to you? He's he's had a had a stellar career in radio. I think he's I don't know. Yeah. Right. Well, he's had a career in radio. <laughs> No, they come on before us. They... <laughs> yeah, they do. They do. That was the nicest thing you said. <laughs> A statement of fact. <laughs> Well, they come on before us. <laughs> that was as nice as you could get. All right. Well, well now we know where you stand. Thank you. 
<laughs> Coming up. Oh, man. We've got, a, we've got a bird watch for you here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're flying down to the field to give you the latest on your St. Louis Cardinals. This is Bird Watch on the Opening Drive. And I don't want to, as we start the bird watch here, I don't want to denigrate the passion that we have for baseball in this town, that we tra- treat every baseball game like it's one of 16 football games. That's what makes us the best baseball town in America. The Cardinals start off 7-10, and 10, and there is a lot of consternation. I get that. But let me give you some numbers here from 2016 through last year. 2016, before the All-Star break, Cardinals 46-42. and 42. Four games over 500. After the All-Star break, 40 and 34. Six games over. In 17, 43 and 45. They were under 500 at the All-Star break. They go six games over after the All-Star break. In 2018, 48 and 46 at the break. Two games over. 40 and 28. They go 12 games over after the All-Star break. In 19, 500 at the break. 44 and 44. 47 and 27. 20 games over after the break. I leave... 20 out because we didn't have an all-star break and it was just a 60-game season that for the COVID season. Then in 21, 44 and 46 at the break, 46 and 26 after. Two games under at the all-star break, 20 games over after the break. And then last year, 50 and 44 at the break, 43 and 25, a better winning percentage after the break. So since 2016, the Cardinals have a record of 275 and 267 before all-star breaks. After all-star breaks, 256 and 174. That's a 507 winning percentage before the break, 595 after. And it's consistent. It's year after year. And the Cardinals know what they're doing. That's my point here is that while we are bothered by it, the the Cardinals know that they're going to be good after the All-Star break. That's just how they roll. So that's my point. Well, and I... I do get that because I think we've we've heard them say that we've heard past managers say that before too over the years of they're a second half mm-hmm. team and we know that I do though understand the front for the frustration especially from fans when you know what this offense is capable of and there's times where we don't see enough timely hitting now Sunday that was fantastic the way that they were able to come back there was many times where they could have been down and out in that entire game that goes for starting pitching offense all that stuff but the way that they were able to come back was fantastic perfect timely hitting but seeing that on a consistent basis I can understand why people are frustrated and at least starting pitching is starting to go trend in the right direction you had some guys redeem themselves Mm -hmm. especially here lately in their most recent starts I think everybody's just waiting for that right time where everything clicks hopefully that's going to be in the second half of the season. When I was a kid, everybody always said, and it was whether it was the broadcasters or the people in the front office or the players, they said, hey, we're, we're a warm weather team. Once the weather turns in St. Louis, we'll heat up with the weather. And generally, the, the offenses did. I hope that that's what happens this year. But I also think they're, even though Ollie says we aren't in evaluation mode at the major league level, I think they're in evaluation mode here. Mm-hmm. I think there are three players, four players that they know about. They know about Contreras, Arenado, Edmund, and uh, and Goldie. I don't think they know about any of their other, their other position players. I really don't. Yeah, well, and it's hard to predict how things are going to go early on. But when you don't win the first game, of any of your series, people will start to think, is this a preparation thing? Are they not fully prepared knowing their stuff going into the game? And you hope that that's something that maybe we'll see turn here soon because 
you you don't like seeing that because then you start that series off with them already having the upper hand and then you can kind of see where maybe guys would internalize some of this stuff same thing with starting pitching starting pitcher gives up a run you're already in a hole really early on the hitters i could see them kind of internalizing some of those frustrations one other fun fact here okay in 2004 best cardinal team we've ever seen 23 and 22 on may 26th one game over 500 82 and 35 the rest of the way. <laughs> oh. that, that, 82 that, and 35. Not bad. Not bad at all. Not bad. So I'm not saying this team's going to go 82 and 35 after starting off 23 and 22. Yeah, I am. Oh, okay. <laughs> there you ah. go. Well, say that then, Randy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that was beautiful. All right. Well, my bird watch is going to be. Wilson Contreras. So you got a little bit of a change of scenery. I'm was, sorry, did I take mine. your bird watch? No, we, we you both can have it. No, we no, okay. no, we, we okay. both. I'm so sorry. I, <laughs> no, I should have asked beforehand. It's not a problem. <laughs> um, so I could change it for no, you if you go like. Ahead. Okay. So we'll both talk about how wonderful Wilson how Contreras wonderful is. How wonderful he is. Because it was a great game for him. I like that Ollie um, moved him to that three spot. And that's a spot that we saw Yachty at obviously a lot in his career too and you put him ahead of Nolan Arnato and it seemed to pay off Contreras uh, he went two for four with an RBI a stolen base and two doubles he also threw out a runner attempting to steal a base he just looked like and he's been getting hot lately but it looked like he really kind of enjoyed that yes. change of scenery as well and I'll add a new one to the bird watch as well too Andre Palante just to switch it up so Keep that you can have more it. of the Contreras spotlight yeah. Palante <laughs> I my biggest concern and we talked about this in the past few weeks is the bullpen being overworked and overused and worrying about that fat- that fatigue cuz you saw that with Henesis Cabrera as well who was fantastic and then ran into an issue and then you see Andre Plante dealing with fatigue and I said earlier I didn't know if it was arm fatigue or just regular fatigue because there was differing reports um John Denton put out that it was fatigue I saw Katie Wu put out that it was fatigue and then you had some others who said it was arm and just fatigue in general when you hear arm fatigue that's always a little concerning um but you just kind of wonder this bullpen if they were just being a little bit overworked and we saw the result of that. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I understand why he came in at that time last night. You you we talked about Jordan Hicks, whether he would not be in those high leverage situations, which that was, um, with uh Jack Flaherty going getting getting taken out of the game because he had given up the home run, given up the double, walked the, walked the next batter. You you were There was some concern there. So you were hoping that Palante could come in and, and write that thing and help them uh, get out of that inning. Unfortunately, he was not able to and, and given up the grand slam. And now you're really looking up at the scoreboard mm-hmm. trying to figure out how to fix it. Um, you know, just got to be better. Hopefully, you know, we'll figure out if it's arm fatigue, if it's just body fatigue from, from, from Colorado, Colorado <laughs> and, yeah. and whether or not he's going to be able to perform better his next time out. And by the way, to add some texture to your comment about the bullpen, Brooke, the Cardinals are 14th among bullpens with 61 and a third. Interestingly, Boston is number one. Their starting rotation hasn't done a lot. Boston and Oakland tied, not surprised by Oakland with their starting rotation. But Atlanta and Tampa are 3-4 in innings pitched by their bullpens. And I think just because they don't have a guy you can count on everybody, they don't have like a Hicks down Mm -hmm. there where you can't use him, I think that makes a difference. 
Yeah. Well, and and look, I don't blame Ollie for that situation because he wanted Palante for the ground ball, and mm-hmm. typically yeah. you would get that from Palante from the ground ball. But it seems like there was a lot of different circumstances going into that, and Palante even was very frustrated with himself afterward afterwards taking ownership of that because it seemed like he was struggling with his command a little bit. I wonder if he goes down when Wayno comes if Woodford goes to the bullpen. I mean, Ollie said that he was a hundred percent, so he felt comfortable throwing him out there. So he should be fine. Yeah. And they aren't DFAing Hicks. Hicks would have to agree to go to the minors. He's not going to agree to go to the minors. So that's a point that needs to be made here. And and my question to that was going to be how long do you think that stalemate, if he keeps, if he, if he's, you know, if we're talking the end of April and he's still in a situation where you can't pitch him unless you're down five runs, like when he texted us yesterday after the Grand Slam and said, now is when you put in Hicks. If it's it's the end of April and that's still your situation with Hicks, where does this end? Well, and how many of those situations are going to come up for the Cardinals, too? Because I thought, wow, this is a perfect situation. But at the same time, like, how many of those perfect low leverage situations are you going to get and come across? I hope that these are easily fixable issues. Physically, they should be easily fixable. Hopefully, he can get back on the beam mentally. That guy can't throw seven straight sliders. What day do do uh, in the NFL we got paid on Tuesdays? Is there a specific? It's every two weeks. It's I think first and fifteenth. Yeah. So uh, I'll tell you where where it ends is on the first. He goes and picks up his check on the fifteenth. He goes and picks up his check. That that's how. Don't worry about (laughs) anything else. I mean, he's gonna be here, and he's gonna be picking up his check every every two weeks. Well, and especially with him, you know, (laughs) looking at possibly free agency. I don't think you're wrong. Yeah, just saying. Well. this is, not yeah, that he's yeah. not trying. I mean, he, he wants to play well. But that's why but, he doesn't yeah. want to go he's down. He's not going right. to go down. Exactly. He's going to be in yeah. St. Louis picking up his check on the 1st and the 15th. Yeah, exactly. He's not going down I because wouldn't. he doesn't want to give up service time. He needs six years of service time to become a free agent at the end of but the year. But when does it reach the point where the Cardinals say, listen, the risk of, the, of somebody saying, that's a nice little 102-mile-per-hour pitch you got there on the waiver. Let's let's snap him up before he, gets to, you know, before he oh, they, clears. They, you know, they've had Jason Mott recede. They've had Trevor Rosenthal recede and bounce back and th- pick up 48 saves. With the guy with that sort of arm ability, you have to give him more than just two weeks. He'll be fine. I think he'll he'll he's a competitor. I think he'll be fine. He's he's got an elite you know elite mm-hmm. stuff. He'll be he'll figure it out at some point. Hope so. That is your bird watch here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, our rush hour reset. Stick around. It's coming your way on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time to recap the biggest sports stories of the day on the opening drive with a rush hour reset. Brought to you by Clubhouse Turf, your exclusive partner of Celebrity Greens. We're redefining private golf. Haven hits the ball deep to right center field. Paven Smith in St. Louis has hit a grand slam. Jerk. Paven Smith uh, hitting a, a seventh inning grand slam off of the Cardinals last night. Jay Will. <laughs> so here's my thing with, I'll, I'll give you my 30-second Jay Will. Until Jay Will, until the Bucks won the championship, he hated Mike Budenholzer. He said, if they don't win the championship this year, they got to fire Mike Budenholzer. You're in the finals, and he's saying, if they don't win the championship, you got to fire Mike Budenholzer. Well, if if they win in seven or lose in seven, what difference does the coach make? I mean, yeah. he, he, he led the league to led the team to the number one seed. He wasn't a bad coach, and it's to me 
especially if you're a former pro basketball player, yeah. if you're going to tell me why a guy is bad, tell me why he's yeah. bad. And he wouldn't say that. All he'd say is, well, he, he, he should get fired if they don't win the championship. Personal issue. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Is, could be. Uh, so anyway, speaking of coaches, <laughs> Ali Marmol did bring Vince. Uh, what do I always call him? Vincente Pallante. I don't know. It's Andre Pallante. <laughs> I don't know. I don't the, know. Vincente is fine. Yeah. If, if you don't perform well, you get. Oh. Yeah, you, you, <laughs> Vincente. When you, when you perform well, it's okay. Andre. Andre. When, when you don't, Vicente. So uh, we're in the seventh. <laughs> That's the bad Pallante. And yeah, Vicente allows the, the grand His slam. His evil twin. Yeah. So. Ali Marmol, what 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 happened? Yeah, the cutter um, not being able to locate it as well as he normally does, and then uh, the curveball just uh, just spun there. Um, unfortunately, a bad time for it, but it happens. But mostly just uh, being able to get that into the lefty as well as he usually does. So that made Jack Flaherty's line look worse than it really was. Flaherty going six plus innings, four hits, four runs all earned. He struck out. Four and walked three and did allow a home run to Cattell Marte to lead off that inning. Pallante with one inning, he allowed two runs. And then Cabrera, who looks really good since coming back, finished it off with two scoreless innings and three Ks. I'm guessing, guys, that a lot of those high leverage situations that Jordan Hicks might have seen, because Cabrera can get out lefties and righties, I would think Cabrera will wind up getting some of those hitters that Hicks would have gotten before. Yeah, you're going to, obviously, if you're Jordan Hicks, you're missing out on some opportunities because you haven't performed well in the opportunities that you've been given. Um, you know, I, I, at the end of the day, it's a team game, right? We all we all got to pull our, our rope in the correct direction, in the same direction, and make sure that we're we're getting out of innings. You wanted Pallante to come in and get a ground ball and hopefully be able to turn two uh, and, and help to get out that inning. I, I said earlier I wasn't bothered by the fact that, that they pulled Jack in that moment because he had given up a home run, had given up a double, and now you walk the guy. Mm-hmm. You 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 seem to be kind of flailing a little bit in that moment, even though you had such a, a great second through sixth inning. That those were were great innings. Mm-hmm. Um, just struggled in that seventh inning, giving up the the home run, and and then maybe it goes to the analytics that talk about the third round of time, the third time around in a lineup where you're facing guys and they get to see you for a third time, you get the, the leadoff home run and now you're, 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 you're in your bullpen trying to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. I thought Flaherty did really well. I mean, other than, as you mentioned, that leadoff homer and then double right after that, he really settled, out, settled in and didn't give up a hit until that seventh inning. And I liked seeing that. Did you guys see that video of him when he was pulled he used some colorful language yeah, that I can't great. say on here. Um, <laughs> said, you know, this is BS, I guess, to paraphrase. You like to see that. You like to see that fieriness because Jordan Montgomery kind of had the same emotions as well. It is early on the season. This early, I can understand not letting guys get that deep in a game, especially in that situation when you would think normally Palante would be able to get what you needed out of there. And so tonight the Cardinals are going to see a really unique individual these days in baseball. The starter for Arizona is a guy named Dre Jamison, D-R-E-Y. Came up last year, he went 3-0 and with a 1.48 earned run average in four games. This year in four games, he's 2-0 and with a 1.46. His career ERA is 1.47. He's 5-0, and the guy is 6 foot tall and 165 pounds. You just don't see that. I, I, I wonder how he wound up in the major leagues because now... The major league scouting is all about 6'5", 240. You got to have the big guy. It makes sense. Six foot one sixty five. Are you saying that he's diminutive? 
Diminutive, yes. Diminutive? He's a little fellow. Oh, no. How? No. If he was six feet tall and diminutive. Oh, my goodness. Carrie, here's the thing. Carrie, and not just Carrie, but Matthew. Jose Altuve is diminutive. He, yes. That's, that is diminutive. He's a, okay. a small man. So, this, <laughs> okay, this guy is six foot tall and 165 pounds, okay? He would be, if he were on the Cardinals, in the land of the Giants. Okay, Flaherty, 6'4", 225. <laughs> Gallegos, 6'2", 215. Helsley, 6'2", 230. Hicks, 6'2", 220. Matt, 6'2", 201. Michaelis, 6'4", 230. Montgomery, 6'6", 228. Pallante, 6'2", 203. He's still got him by 35 pounds. Uh, Stratton, 6'2", 205. Thompson, 6'2", 215. Verhagen, 6'6", 230. Woodford, 6'4", 215. So if you put little Dre Jameson on this group, <laughs> relatively, <Dre> <laughs> relatively speaking, he's he's diminutive. Yes. Well, okay, how tall is Packy Naughton? Packy Naughton. Let's get that for you. Uh, he's Thank a, you. He's a little fella from, <laughs> he's from the a Northeast. Lad. He's Don't a, say he's he, a little fella. He, he he's is, a wee lad. Uh, he's, he, he's from Boston. Uh, and uh, he is on the IL, as you know. Isn't he? Well, that's yeah, not his height. Uh, six, six, <laughs> six, two, one ninety-five. He's, he's not, not he's six guy. two. Sorry, Brooke. That's what the Cardinals say. <laughs> oh man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm six four and two fifteen. <laughs> rock. <laughs> and, and a rock. And a rock. Look, look at my abs, Gary. Two <laughs> percent oh. body fat. Yeah, if only you, if only we had cameras, you guys could see. You can see just, just how ripped know. and tall we are in here. There you go. <laughs> that's uh, that's your rush hour reset here on 101 ESPN. Coming up more on the Cardinals' usage of the bullpen and where we go from here because it has been used so much. What do they need to do to fix these issues? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Good to see Jack Flaherty get into the seventh inning last night, but the bullpen, as Andre Pallante threw for back-to-back days, let things get away. And like Ali Marmol said, and he's not wrong, this sort of thing happens. It's baseball, and sometimes uh, the, the cutter will hang a little bit and a guy will hit it out of the ballpark. But the Cardinals are also in a position where their bullpen, even though they're 14th in innings pitched in Major League Baseball, the bullpen is, they're just having to get too many outs. When you have pitchers that are going five, five and a third, and, and you have to get 11, 10 outs from your bullpen, that's just too many. If your bullpen is set up so that even with an eight-man bullpen, that you only have to get seven outs from the bullpen, you're a whole lot better off. And that's how teams win. When you look at Houston last year, why did Houston have so much success in the postseason? Because they reverted to a system with Dusty Baker as their manager, getting a little bit away from the analytics belief where they had pitchers regularly going into the seventh and eighth and sometimes even the ninth innings. And I get the numbers, people. I understand that, say, they're they're worried about the third time through the lineup mm-hmm. with starting pitchers. But at the same time, don't you have to worry about your bullpen, too, and the, the toll that taking a pitcher out maybe a little bit early takes on your bullpen? Why not give Jack Flaherty last night, for example, the ability to try to get out of that jam? Yeah, I mean, there... 
I don't know. I, I see both sides to it because theoretically, as we mentioned earlier, it would make sense. Typically, Palante would be good in that situation. It is a little bit concerning that you knew that he was dealing with fatigue. That's the whole reason why we didn't see him on Saturday, right, is because he was dealing with fatigue. We don't know if that was the result of the Colorado trip or anything like that, but that's why we didn't see him on Saturday. But... Ollie did say afterwards, and even Andre Plante said afterwards, he was 100% ready to go. But it was really clear that he was struggling with his command, and you put him in back-to-back games. So it, it does make you wonder why. And I thought that it was really interesting, that snapshot that it has been all over <laughs> social media of Jack Flaherty next to Willie McGee, where they just look like, I mean, the mm-hmm. wind was taken out of them watching that grand slam. And you could tell, if I if I could be just a face reader, I felt like Jack Flaherty's face is almost like, see? Yep, yep. <laughs> see? Yeah. yeah. And by the way, I, I just wanted to validate what I thought last year. The Astros did, their starting pitchers did lead Major League Baseball in innings pitched with 950. Cleveland was second with 907, playoff team. Seattle was third with 903, playoff team. Padres were fourth with 901, playoff team. Phillies were fifth with 896, playoff team. Yankees were, uh, I'm sorry, so, so let me give you the top teams. Houston, playoffs. Cleveland, playoffs. Seattle, playoffs. San Diego, playoffs. Philly, playoffs. Yankees, playoffs. Atlanta, playoffs. Miami threw 881 innings. The top seven starting rotations in terms of innings pitched last year were in the playoffs. Starting pitching is still going to be why you win, and you need to prepare your pitchers to give you innings. And if you Mm -hmm. take Jack Flaherty out after 90 and don't let him go to 100, if you take Jordan Montgomery out after 85 and you don't let him go to 95, that's going to hurt you down the road. And sometimes I think we're a little too cautious or we're just too zoned in on the analytics numbers about third time through the lineup where it gets the best of us. I agree. I think you, you're you looking at, you know, we talked about quality starts and uh, not enough of them thus far for this for this team, for this starting rotation. And when you when you don't have those quality starts, you don't you you do put a lot more stress on your bullpen, and then you got your bullpen is shortened by one man because there's one guy that you can't put in into those certain situations because you don't trust him right now, and that's Jordan Hicks. So then you have Andre Pallante who's fatigued or, or or arm fatigue. That's another one that you're down. So now you're starting to really shorten your bullpen by by guys not performing well in the starting pitchers, guys not performing well in the bullpen, and, and maybe injuries are starting to uh, could start to pile up. And now you you put yourself in a in a in a position where you you really don't want to be in. Well, here's two things. I don't know if it will help you guys feel better or worse in regards to which side you're going to pick. So Jack Flaherty entered that game last night leading the National League in double plays induced. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good, yep. considering mm-hmm. if you're going to leave him in that situation as you're talking about in the seventh inning, right? And on the other hand, now the Cardinals' bullpen ranks 11th in the major leagues. They're pretty mm-hmm. decent, and especially if you take out Jordan Hicks' Right, stats, there was a full running game before last night. <laughs> yes, if you take out Jordan Hicks' staff, that's that's pretty good. So... I can I, see I can see both here, sides. Here's my it. thing. I, I, I would say this. The reason why I'm not bothered by Flaherty being taken out in that moment, you gave up hard hit balls and you walked mm-hmm. the guy. You gave up a home run, a shot, you gave up a double, and then you walked the next batter to me. That's starting to signify, okay, he might be running out of a little bit of gas. 
and and I can't tell you we can we can do hindsight's twenty twenty and say oh he would have struck the next guy out or he would have got a ground ball and got a double play. No one knows. We expected Pelante to come in and do the same thing, but when you give up hard hit balls, a home run and then a double and then you walk the next guy, that's a lot of pitches in 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 one inning and you still haven't gotten an out yet. And so to me, that's the problem. So I, I asked this question in the group text last night. Do you think that it was a 2 p.m. decision of how this game was going to go? Like if Flaherty got to a certain pitch count, if he got, which was 90 pitches, by the way. So you'd say, yeah, mm-hmm. he could still go. He has enough left in the tank. Or if he gets to the seventh, then you're going to pull him either way. Or was this a game decision? I don't think there's any doubt that that was a 2 o'clock decision. That was a, a meeting. When it's the first guy in to replace your starter, it's almost always a 2 the, o'clock decision. The, the decision to put Pelante in, but yes. not the decision yeah. to let Jack continue to play. Right, right. Like, I think if Jack would have got out of that situation, he maybe Pelante does yeah. come in in the next inning. And, and you know, with the with, with the bases clear and, mm-hmm. uh, and nobody on and you have a little bit better of an opportunity – uh, I thought I thought Jack pitched well when, after that first inning. He did an out, outstanding job. You just gave up that home run, and now you're starting to – you can see things unraveling a little bit quicker, and so I think that's why Ollie went out there and, and, and pulled him. A couple of things. Number one, this is where not having Jordan Hicks really hurts you because if you can bring him in in the seventh inning to get soft contact or get a strikeout, then you can set yourself up in the eighth and ninth with uh, either Cabrera or Gallegos and then Helsley in the ninth. So that was that, that hurts where Pelante is pitching there. And I, I'm an Andre Pelante fan, but I also, if I'm the manager at that point, with Jack still throwing hard and Jack being Jack, I... I still think at that point in that game last night that Jack Flaherty was the best pitcher I had available to me. Yeah, we, we, and obviously, Ollie didn't yeah, agree, right? Yeah. And you don't it, agree. It's just but, the, the hard hit balls for me, and then the yeah. walk. Like if 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 he had a, if he had gotten a guy out, say before before the walk, you give up a mm-hmm. double, and now you give up the home run, you get a, you give up the double, and then you get a guy out, a strikeout, and then you walk a guy. Maybe you let him work through it, but it's it's the three batters in a row for me that I say ah okay, and I can understand time. that. But I I just look at man innings. One through six, he was just so dominant, and I'm hoping that he can. I still think that that's there in that seventh inning, and that's why I would have kept him in. But this is what makes baseball great, because we can have these conversations and we can have different opinions, and we can all be right. Yeah, I know. Well, and there's a million different situations it could have gone right because then say you kept Flaherty in there and it didn't work out, and then and then we would still <laughs> yeah. be like, why yeah, did exactly Ollie leave him in the saying. game? Exactly. But also yeah. the other part too, and somebody pointed this out. Okay, yes, he leads the National League in double plays and deuce. Well, that means he's getting guys on base or he's he's allowing that to happen. I get that, but also you have a great defense behind you. We've talked about. It. I'm fine with the starting pitchers, you know, kind of putting those situations 100%. out there because they should be able to handle that. You have a lot of goal. Gloves, a platinum gold glove, also out there. Just a platinum glove. Platinum and gold don't go together. Oh, sorry. Platinum. No gold glover who didn't win the platinum. So you're right. There you go. Yes. You are not There's wrong. A, platinum gold gloves, gloves. Yeah. There you go. Multiple gloves. Is that without without Hicks playing in those high leverage moments? Is there a pitcher that can come in and get that swing and miss? That can come in and, and overpower hitters and and strike guys out. Uh, to to get out of those moments. If if Ali had to do it all over again, I guarantee if we asked him right now, twenty twenty hindsight, he's we're saying be honest. Could you have if you could do it over again? Would you bring in Cabrera in that situation? Yeah. Look what Cabrera did. Yeah, you, absolutely. I I yeah. think Cabrera would be the guy. Struck out three, and he's pitched great since he came back. 
So mm-hmm. that'd be the one. You agree? I think so, yeah. If there is one, it would probably be him. Yeah. Hey, we talked earlier about the Evolution Festival coming to St. Louis in late August, and uh, there's a lot of things going on. And we've got tickets for you. The Weekend Silver VIP ticket, all general admission amenities, VIP entry lanes, VIP viewing area, access to the Lakeside VIP experience, a commemorative VIP laminate. And you can stay tuned and win a pair of those tickets at 945 here from 101 ESPN. Who are you most excited about seeing? The, the Black Crows? Is that where we're going here? I'm, I'm looking Black, Black, Black Keys and Ice Cube. It was a good day. Randy Carlisle's good. I never thought I'd get a chance to see Ice Cube performing concert. Today was just based on the yeah. You know know somebody figured out what day that was? Yes, I I, I saw them break that down. One of my favorite pieces of the internet ever. Crazy. (laughs) And I'm a big fan of the Yard Eagles. The Yard Eagles are also going to be here in town. Okay, don't know any of them. What's their favorite? What's their big song? Uh, Fly like an eagle. I don't think so. Okay. Unfortunately, it, that's not the Eagles just playing in your yard. Uh, oh, oh, it's not. Yeah, I'm sorry. Dang it. Okay. Wow. I'm sorry. Hey, coming up next, Klabes on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Claiborne is standing by, Brooke, Carrie, and Randy, and I'm going to start our conversation with Mike with a, a line that uh, our mutual friend Bob Ramsey might use, a reference lost on much of America's youth. Mike Claiborne, how about those Kansas City-Omaha Kings? All we need is Sam Lacey. Uh, and Tiny and, Archibald. Uh, uniforms with, and Nate the Skate, who um, <laughs> he's one of two people that led the league in scoring and assists in the sa- in, at the same time. Uh, James Harden did it this year. Well, not this year, a couple of years ago. Um, but, yeah, Nate Escape, Sam Lacey, Mike Robin, Bill Robenzine, who at one point had the all-time record for most technicals in a career. Yeah, they weren't bad. Draymond's trying to terrible. catch him. Yeah. And, and, by the way, they would split games between Kansas City and Omaha. They were an it's NBA Omaha, team. Omaha, you're right. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. Yeah. It was a mess. What it was. But you know what? I, I tip my cap to the NBA for trying to be creative. I think that's why this league is is so successful. Um, you know, I don't know if you guys have been keeping track. You know, their TV deal is up after next year, and initially, everyone thought that the you know they're currently at twenty four billion dollars over nine years. I, I thought it was going to go to sixty. I was told the other day it's going to be between seventy five and a hundred billion dollars in TV oh revenue. Gosh. A whole lot of money. So realistically, made. you're going to see a $70 million basketball player at some point. Bronny James. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. Well, you better bring some of his old man skills with him. <laughs> <laughs> Clays, we were talking about basketball. Let's, stick to, let's switch to a little bit of baseball. And the Cardinals taking a tough loss yesterday. Uh, Jack Flaherty had a couple of good innings, the second through the sixth inning, uh, but then was pulled in the seventh. What do you think about the pulling, uh, him coming out in the seventh? And, and what do you think about the, the Cardinals giving up that uh, – that giving up the taking losing the lead and, and losing the game and, and right after that. Yeah, you know, um, this is one of those situations where you can almost say there's no right, no wrong answer. Just one answer didn't work because we had a similar situation last week in Colorado where Ali let him stay in mm-hmm. to go after a hitter. This time he decided to go in a different direction. Uh, obviously, it didn't work, and I can understand Jack's frustration. But you had a guy in Palante who was a, tra- a traditional ground ball pitcher, 
and he can turn the double play, along with the fact he faces lefties and does well against them. His splits against lefties are good. So you can understand why he did it, but it just didn't work. But if you're Jack Flaherty, you'd say, well, wait a minute. You know, I was in this situation last week, and you let me run with it, and we got out of it. So, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things. That's why you play 162 of these things, man, because neither, none of them are, are ever alike. Yeah. yeah, finding that perfect formula is always the tough thing. Well, what did you think about, too? We talked about this last night as well. It was 6-3, to three, possibly a situation where you could bring in Jordan Hicks because, as they mentioned, they're, or Ollie mentioned, they're looking to bring him into low-leverage situations. What did you think about that? Were you surprised that he wasn't brought out there? And what do you think about the situation with Hicks moving forward? Yeah, I, I, I was a little surprised. Um because, you know, I, I would have been able to use, you know, Cabrera somewhere else as well as he's been pitching. I didn't want to burn him in that situation. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm at this point with pitchers in baseball. I think we've enabled them and baby them so much that the, the psyche that a lot of these pitchers has disappoints me where I can't pitch with runners on base. I got to start an inning. I can only face these guys. I can't pitch back to back. You know, we, we get every excuse on why they, they're, they're so protected. And I just don't know if we have enough guys who know how to fight and know who how to battle and know who how to pitch out of trouble. And it, it's a real concern, not just a cardinal concern, but when you look around baseball, uh, we don't have a lot of guys who know how to pitch out of trouble. And, and it starts in the minors because we really coddle guys there. You know, when they get to the fifth inning, uh, you know, oh, we got to get him out. You know, we don't want him to face him the third time around. Now, I know the numbers tell you that the third time around, the, the numbers go up. But you got to find some guys who can say, you know what? I'm going to figure out a way to get these guys out, even if they have seen me, because guess what? I'm going to show them something they didn't see in the first two at-bats. And, and one of the things we have this mistake in, in pitchers now, they unload the, the closet in the first two outings, first two innings. Mm-hmm. where a hitter has an idea exactly what this guy can throw for strikes and what he can't get over for strikes. They don't save anything. And I, and I really think that that's a, a league-wide concern. So when they do get to that third time around, guys say, well, he, he can throw a changeup. His slider isn't very sharp. He's got a heater that's pretty good. I'm going to reduce what he can throw for strikes and look for the things I know I can hit. Uh, and I, I think that approach is something that really is getting pitchers in trouble along with the fact that guys don't know how to pitch out of trouble like they used to. Clays, I don't know if it's just pitchers. I think it's sports in general where younger players are, are I think, more coddled than they were when you grew up or when I grew up. It's just a yeah. different mindset. I mean, we've kind of di- been dealing, talking about that with the Blues and, and their younger players. How do you get players that are, are younger generation to lock in and focus on the task at hand and not – you know, worry about all of the outside factors, uh, social media and, and, and all of these other things that they, you know, that they worry about from day to day. You know what, Kerry, that, that, that's the $64,000 question that um, every coach at the, at the pro level and the high school level and the college level, you mentioned social media. I think when we were growing up, you know, you watch TV and your coaches say, hey, look, you're not, you're not as good as that guy on TV. Why don't you do it this way for a while? <laughs> you, or you watch too much TV. <laughs> now we see it on their phones, they see it on TV, and they think they can do it. And it's not only what they do as far as their performance, but their conduct. You know, I'm going to tell you something that really struck me the other day 
when you have a blues player talk about the unprofessionalism that was existing within their in their dressing room, hmm. I've never ever heard that about a St. Louis Blues hockey team. And it, it's not just the Blues. I'm sure there's some other teams that have that same problem because, and even Doug Armstrong said, I got to start finding some guys who know how to get to some of these guys because apparently our method isn't as effective as we need it to be. So, it, you know, it's a sports issue that we all see. And, and Kerry, it starts before, you, before they get to you in high school. Yes. It starts on a youth level. Yeah. It starts on a youth level, whether it's the parents, whether it's the guru coach who's not the official coach, or it's the coach who's more, more obsessed with winning compared to teaching. So when you have all these combinations working and you've got these kids who, who really follow the wrong pattern as far as how to be successful, this is what you have at the finished product on the pro level. Claves, I think it's just a little bit of delusion. I, I'll give you a quick story. I had a kid yesterday in the weight room come to me, Coach, I'm stronger than you. And I looked at him. I said, are you serious? He said, yeah, Coach, I'm serious. I said, son, go away. Go finish your workout. Stop playing with me. No, Coach, I'm for real. I'm, look at me. I'm strong. I said, okay, get under that bench right there. It was 225. I said, let's see you do it. He got under there, had to make sure he had a kid spotting him, and he couldn't get it up. And so I went over there, and I did it 13 times, and I said, now stop talking to me. I said, this is not even warmed up. This is just a normal day. Kid, stop it. Go finish your workout. Well, and and he was down. He, he, he was dejected and down for the rest of the day, as he should be. But, but you know what, and Carrie, you have an advantage where you still have at an age where you can do those things. Yes. But can you imagine a coach at another level having a kid think he can try him on for size. Maybe it's not in the weight room, but in, at some other level where he thinks he's got to figure it out more than the guy who's coaching him. Yes, uh, it, it's it's a real it's a real concern. Uh, but I think in baseball, uh, they better figure this pitching thing out, man. It's not just the Cardinals. It, it, you look around baseball; everybody's dealing with it. I was talking to a manager the other day, and he he's just already shaking his head, and he has a good team. And it's just one of those things where you have so many outside influences. I, I didn't even include the agent, but you've got the agent, you've got the guru, you've got the family, you've got, you know, your buddies, you've got you, uh, your social media, as you mentioned, care. All those things now influence, uh, you know, the perception these individuals have toward what the job is. And it's just, it's, it's unfair, it's unfortunate, it's unprofessional, and it's, it's so unteamed. You know, because guys start thinking about themselves more yeah. than anything else. And at this point, you know, they put themselves in a position where I got to take care of me. Yeah, but you know what? We're playing together. Yeah. You know, and, and so it's just, it, it's frustrating. It, it really is. Hey, Claves, before we let you go, what's your confidence level in this Cardinal team? Off to a slow start, obviously, but only two weeks in. What are you thinking? Yeah, you know, uh, you know me, Randy. I don't really get that worked up. I, you know what I do? I really look at what the concerns can be down the road because, you know, at this time of the year, guys are still trying to figure it out. Guys are still trying to get in a rhythm, you know, trying to have a legitimate, solid, consistent lineup. You know, uh, we were talking to Ali yesterday, and, and I'm in agreement. This may be the most versatile roster we've seen the Cardinals have in a long, long time. I mean, the only consistents are Goldschmidt, Arenado, Contreras, and, you know, Edmund, but now you have uh, Donovan, but the way you can interchange those guys is so unique compared to other Cardinal lineups where you knew this was going to be it, whether it was April 1st or September 1st, that's what it was going to be for the most part. 
so I'm more concerned about uh, what things are starting to develop where there's a pattern. And, and the other thing is how do you address it to make yourself better because you don't want that one thing to hold you back and because if it does, it can become contagious and really create some other concerns within your team. So, you know, that's what I'm looking at now. And I, I don't think I even know what they look like for another two or three weeks. I think you got to go back out on the road for a little bit more. Uh, and this next road trip is going to be very interesting. You're going to Seattle, San Francisco, and L.A. You know, there was a time if you were lucky to come back with three wins against those three teams. But, you know, it, it's one of those things where you find out just what you have, not only from a skill set, but from an integrity set. And, and that's something that we got to face up to, especially when it comes to this pitching and pitching through it and finding a way to tough it out. Clayton, what do we got on Clayton's online right now? Well, we got the commission. He's got a column up you definitely want to read. Uh, with basketball in full swing, Matt Rocchio and Rammer have the two-man game. Dr. Rick and Rammer have uh, the Dr. Rick podcast. And, folks, I'll tell you, his podcast is short and sweet. There's some really good subject matter I would suggest you listen to, especially for you parents who have youth out there and want to make sure you're doing the right thing and helping them have more fun playing whatever sport they have. And, of course, uh, on Mondays, Joe Roger and I have lunch with Claves and Joe. Uh, Rick Hummel and I have a podcast coming your way on Thursday. So, as you can tell, we're pretty busy at ClavesOnline.com. Check it out. Claves, always good to have you with us. Thank you very much. All right, gang. Have a great rest of your week. All right. We'll talk to you soon. A uh, couple of quick notes here. Number one, Mason Witt is 10 for his last 30 down at Memphis, so he's heating things up. Alrighty. Paul DeYoung is actually hitting well down at Memphis as well. And here's a number for you. When we talk about pitchers, and Claves talking about pitchers being babied, Last year, there were eight pitchers in the 2022 season, eight pitchers in Major League Baseball that threw 200 innings. 20 years before, in 2002, there were 42 pitchers that threw 200 innings. That's how much it's changed in just 20 years. Baseball has changed, you know, drastically over the last 20, 30 years. It's just really sports. Yeah. It's the mindset, and it's not it's not so much the, the, the players have changed. The people coaching them have allowed it yeah. to change. Maybe them, coddle yeah. them, whatever you want to call it. And I, I, Randy, do not stand for it at all. I think social media has a lot to do with it, too, because mm-hmm. you just have these guys now and girls where you can you know put your highlights out on oh, social yeah. media, get a lot of reactions. Yeah. You know, it, It's all about impressing others in that little highlight, <laughs> real-worthy moment. But here's yeah. the thing. Your kids, because of that four years of foundation that you're building with them, are going to be so much better off when they get to the collegiate level and the the, the pro level. I I bring my kids back down to earth. And I say that with all the love in the world, even my own son. My my son scored 28 points in the game and had like 10 or or 6 the next game and missed every shot. I say, hey, that's life. (laughs) (laughs) Focus. Yeah. Every time. Coming up, we've got rock and roll as we head down the stretch on this edition of The Opening Drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to The Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. It is time for Rock and Roll. Matthew, what do you got for us? Well, first, we got to give away two tickets to the Evolution Fest, two it. silver VIP tickets. These are pretty good tickets. And, and listen here. There's some Brooke is not eligible. No, sorry, yeah, Brooke, you're not eligible. To Why am I not now. eligible? Well, you work here. Oh, okay, come on. Listen, yeah, I'm sorry. Come on. Come on. <laughs> come on. <laughs> 
Why she said this isn't too good with me. Anyway, I want these tickets going anyway. to, to a fan. And we're, we all talk about how excited we are about Ice Cube being one of the, the headliners for the Evolution Fest. So here's my question. Again, we have two different pairs to give to give away, so we'll have two winners. Textures number 30 and 40 mm. with the answer of what professional sporting event does Ice Cube reference in Today Was a Good Day? What sporting event does Ice Cube reference in his hit song, It Was a Good Day? Okay. What professional sporting event? Uh, I'll just need one of the teams. You don't need to give me both. If you just yeah, name one yeah, of them. I'll give us both teams yeah, if you can. If you can, I'll, I'll like it. But yeah, Texas 30 and 40 for our two winners today. All right. Good. Now let's do rock and roll. Speaking of uh, what sport that might have been mentioned in that song, we have some NBA playoffs going oh, on right now. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just saying we got some NBA playoffs <laughs> going on right now, and I, I need to talk to Carrie because I'm worried about Carrie, Randy. Uh, the Warriors are down now 2-0 to are. the Sacramento Kings, but they're going to have a home game coming up. But Carrie, I wanted to just, I just wanted to throw out, just throw out a couple numbers for you that I thought might make you feel a little bit better. Last night, Andrew Wiggins inserted back into the starting lineup. He goes nine of 19 for 22 points. He played 39 minutes. Mm-hmm. I like that. And here's another thing. The Iowa rookie who was big for the Kings, Keegan Murray, he can't stay on the floor against the Warriors. And the Kings are taking a lot of shots to score all of those points. I'm nervous for you, Carrie, but I think games three and four break the Warriors' way. And we're talking about a huge game five that could decide this series. Yeah, I'm okay with what, what they have going on. Obviously, you want to steal one on the road, but the, the objective is to protect your home court. So they get to go back home and, and have an opportunity to – play in uh the chase center chase center chase arena chase center yeah and um you know see how well they they fare versus the 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 sacramento kings they are the away team so they will have to win an away yeah. game or the the, the lower seed team so they'll have to win an yeah. away game to actually win the series game how five. do you feel about that they'll win two they'll win three and four they'll win two in in, in golden state and then they'll go back and win game five and have an opportunity to win uh to to end the series and um, win San Francisco in game six. five. Yeah, and then they'll win. Because the here's the thing: win the series in San in, in game six. Because they they will it will be a shock to the system six, when uh, Sacramento loses those two, those two games in in San Francisco. And so now you go back to Sacramento, you win that game, come back to the Chase Center, have an opportunity to end the series. And uh, you're ready for probably the Lakers looking like. Sorry, I got I to gotta go back and add this to your Cardinals predictions. Oh yeah, um, please do from. From the beginning of the season. On. I'm still on. Cardinals still winning on the World Series? I'm still on pace. What's wrong with that? Still on pace with the Cardinals winning the World Series? This is early. Randy said they were just above a 500 ball club for the first uh, half of every season, they for the last four, five yeah, or six, yeah, seasons. Uh, six or seven seasons. Here's a number for you. Yeah, that's what we got. Uh, 507 winning percentage before the All-Star break over the last six years. 595 winning percentage after the All-Star break. Good to go. We're right where we need to be. Yep. And we've been talking a lot about the pitching today, but I did want to throw out uh, there were some people freaking out about the Cardinals' offense, Randy. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the numbers, not so great. They are 22nd in the league in runs, and they currently lead Major League Baseball in batters left on base with 135. But they're fourth in Major League Baseball in hits, fifth in average, fifth in OBP, ninth in slugging, seventh in OPS, and fifth in OPS+. plus. So a lot of people turned from the pitching to the offense yesterday. But should I still be able to? Should I still be confident when in Kerry and Randy's prediction that they're going to be scoring eight runs a game? Okay, give me two numbers again. Number one, the the number of runners that they've had on base. Uh, they've left 135 runners on base. Good. They're fourth That's in the Major League Baseball in hits. <laughs> 
So it tells me they're getting a lot of people on. Right. And, and what were they? Did you have the batting average? Tenth in batting average? Oh, uh, they're fifth in batting fifth average. Fifth in batting average. If you are getting that many runners on, and you're hitting that way, ultimately you're going to regress to the mean, and you're going to score a bunch of runs, and the hits are going to happen when you have all those runners on base. Don't worry about it. Can I? Can I point out a? Mm-hmm. Significant factor. Yes. If you want to. Maybe it's the lineup and where you got guys batting. Oh. That could be right now. Yeah. Oh. It could be. Maybe could if you be. put people in a different position. Yeah. You never know. Drive in the run. Like I the thought you didn't for... want to change the lineup around, though. I want it to be one consistent lineup <laughs> oh. and keep it that way. <laughs> Randy was ready for that one. Randy was spots. ready for that one. I prefer one. that Jordan Walker wasn't hitting eighth, but he's... He's, he's having a little bit of trouble. He's struggling a little bit right now. Come on, now. Kind of scuffling. Let's a little bit. It's okay. That's all right. That's fine. This is a very, uh, very sunshine and lollipops between Carrie and Randy. Brooke, do you have something time. negative to, to, to bring this back on course? You are the course? negative one, Rob. Why did you look we, at we me? We you to be <laughs> the negative <laughs> one, Rob. Because freaking out about pitching Randy and Carrie, don't worry. Freaking out about hitting Randy and Carrie, don't worry. Freaking out about the Warriors, don't worry. So I'm trying to get some kind of... I don't know. You go to me for the negative You didn't have any excessively positive ones. I didn't know if you were there with a negative uh, one. I'm, I'm uh, just checking. Uh, you know? uh, let me think. Okay. Jordan Walker is struggling. Um, yes. It's fine because other oh, people are it. too. There, there you go. Great. Give us a quick pop. I like that. You would have uh, just not stuck around to enjoy the Washington Nationals World Championship when they started off 19 and 31. You would just quit on them and you would not have had any fun with that. How, how well did the Phillies start off last year before they made it to the United States? They fired their manager. It turned so. to me yeah, being no, no. negative. How did it turn to Rock? Seriously. I'm a very positive person, Carrie. Really? What are you talking about? You, you, you embrace the negative things. You embrace... You, 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 I don't want to say you're the heel of the show, but... You kind of is. <laughs> I never thought about it that way, but you embrace that role. I guess I kind of am. See? No one else really fits the role. All right, fine. We love you for it. It's good. It's terrible. All right, fine. Keep smiling. You guys all suck on the worst. I'm Eeyore. Oh, man. Wait. I didn't want to be Eeyore. I didn't think I was that sad. All right. He would go back to his little tent. Yeah. Right? Cardinals are going to get a big win today from behind Jordan Montgomery. That's not even a really big thing to say. There you go. Um, but they're going to win seven out of the next ten. One time. There, it is. Is. there right. it is. Seven out of the next ten. The Warriors like are going to win three in a row. My, my One of my favorite lines ever. You can find it on the interwebs. Uh, if you just type in Goose Gossage, negative blanker blankers. But uh, he saved a couple of games with a doubleheader <laughs> one time. And the media came in and they were talking about how bad things were going for the Yankees. And he's, he says, <laughs> <laughs> You guys, with all your pens and all your pads, you're a bunch of negative blanker blankers. And you can print it. And you can take it to the fat man. Because Steinbrenner had complained about Gossage. And so Steinbrenner was the fat man. It's one of the greatest sound bites ever that uh, the media is just a bunch of negative blanker blankers. Uh, mm. That's I, hilarious. I, pre- I prefer I, realistic. I, I've, I've actually used, left out the negative part, but I have in my car at times yelled at somebody and referred to them as a blanker blanker. <laughs> I was really mad that day. Oh, oh those days. Oh. <laughs> that that hour when days. I was in my car. You said, oh, and you were yesterday? listening to radio? No, was it a radio? Just, he's driving. Was it in the morning right. coming into work, is my question. This well, guy, huh? This oh, guy. yeah. That, well, no, I, I don't go that crazy. Mm. On, on J. Will. J. Will. <laughs> Oh, we know you're just a ticking time bomb over there, oh, Randy. Randy is, is waiting to blow. I, I love watching angry Randy. 
It's one of my best parts of my day. Not so much for Rob. <laughs> you know what? Just check in around eight thirty. <laughs> yeah, you want to fight today? Hey, Randy is so funny. The guy's <laughs> the guy's basketball claim to fame is that he got into a motorcycle accident. He was a player <laughs> of the year, oh, Randy. Oh, man. <laughs> he was the player of the year. Oh my god! He was a college basketball player of the year. Okay. He was really good till okay. he. Rode a motorcycle and <laughs> fell off. Be careful. Be careful, <laughs> Jay Will. You got to be careful. Sorry about that. Where are your helmets? Uh, thank you, Matthew. Pleasure. Brooke? Yes. Great day. This <laughs> yes, is fun. Yes, I have nothing nothing negative. It's sunshine and, and lollipops, lollipops and, and rainbows. And, and then a hatchet just comes through and just slices <laughs> through. Oh, sorry. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> And this is the mad day. What's going to happen tomorrow when we have happy hump day? It's going to be unbelievable. Hey, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us until tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.